This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Boom. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of the Rocket Blast. No, welcome to this episode of the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. I am your humble host today, John Allen. I'm sitting here talking with Wiley Wiggins, but before we get into that uh, conversation, I want to tell all of my supporters, first of all, I love y'all. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, It means a lot to me. Uh, In the description of this episode, whether you're watching it on YouTube or listening to it on a podcast platform, uh, there will be a couple of links that you can click into if you'd like to support my work with the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Do that. Help a brother out. I need uh, I need a ham sandwich. Uh, <laughs> en- enough of that. Wiley, Seminoles forever. How you doing? Wiley Wiggins. I'm doing fantastic, man. Good to see you, John. And also, hello to all the viewers that are watching uh, me <laughs> as a guest on the John Allen podcast show. <laughs> I'm very happy and humbled to be a guest on your show. And uh, yeah, man, happy to be here. It's going to be a virtual anti-vax moment, you know, <laughs> uh, cleansing ourselves from all the, the pandemic that's going on now with, you know, with uh, this, this dangerous vaccine. But no, man, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Uh, yeah. My Go favorite my favorite way of doing this podcast is when people yeah. can come to my home and yeah. we, we we have you know maybe some coffee or something to eat and then we yeah. settle down into my studio and yeah. one of these days that's going to happen with you this has been a long time coming um yeah. you and I have exchanged I a lot of uh a lot of messages um some real funny videos I'm going to talk about the f- Probably the most entertaining video that I have on my phone has been sent by you. I'll, I'll get into that later. But 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 again, one, one of these days, now you live on the other side of the country. Uh, you're in the southwest. Uh, I'm in the southeast. Yeah. But it's really not Correct. that far away. We should. No, it's, 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 it's not that far away. Not to cut you off. I'm sorry. Uh, you no, know, okay. I, yeah, I live down here in sad, sadness. You know, the most locals um, call it sadness. <laughs> you know, because you know, going through going through these uh, treacherous, um, I would say, two seasons instead of four seasons out of the month. You know, we we experience more rain uh, in in transition of every season uh, where we live at over here. But yeah, you're you're absolutely correct, and um, I think going forward in the future, I would uh, like to visit you and your family at, at some point in the near future and uh, be a uh, a uh, how do I say in person guest? Yeah, you know, with you and also uh, yeah, man. Just make a day of it. Was, make a whole right, day of exactly. it. You know, put the families together. Our kids are around the same age. Uh, yeah. We're both married to crazy Norwegian women. That is correct. <laughs> we're both that is correct, and we and we love to grill as well. You know, you you're the grill king. You know, I'm I'm, I'm you're the grill king of the of the east, and uh, I guess I can say myself as the grill king of the south. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so we need to parlay on some things going forward. I'm going to be grilling for the family this evening. My wife um, oh, yeah. worked a night shift. She just got home actually from a night shift. Um, oh, yeah. okay. Well, she did a whole bunch of shopping and she took a walk also after a night shift. But she just got home, so she's going to lay down. She's going to go to sleep. Uh, and when she gets up, she's going to have some good barbecue American, black American barbecue food waiting on her when she wakes up. So that's my you day. Can't beat that. That's you my can't day. Beat that. Now, with your with your barbecue, and how do you like your meat? Well, I don't. Let me rephrase this question. Do you prefer when you buy your meats from the butcher or from the stores there locally? Do you prefer to be marinated or unmarinated before you grill? You know, to me, buying marinated meats is kind of hit or miss. 
over here in Norway. Sometimes, uh, if you if I buy it marinated from the store, it's okay. But sometimes it's really strange. I mean, I don't know what they're using. Uh, certain things that they'll call, for example, they'll try to get real regional and they'll call something Texas barbecue marinated. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah. if they did this in Texas, there'd be a new uh, civil war. There's, this has nothing to do with Texas. <laughs> oh, we're going to have to sign that declaration again, Pippin. Oh, I don't know. Uh, it's a little bit of a, a, a tang moment. No, but you, you're right. I, it's I, hit or miss. It's hit or miss. I can't. So, so I've, I've learned to stay away from the pre-marinated stuff. And, and I'll, just, I'll just do the best I can with the yeah. Norwegian products I can find, and I'll Correct. marinate it myself. And then I know now, who to you, blame. <laughs> do you grill all year round, even when it's snow? Um, I have. Now, I didn't this past winter. I was you know, so messed up in my, with the shoulder surgery and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And the grill that we had... Uh, I mean, it had seen its last days, so I didn't, I didn't trust that grill. But, but for this season, um, we have a new grill, brand new grill. It's like okay. twice the size of the one we had before, yeah. uh, right. much more efficient, much more effective. And my plan is, uh, to, to grill year round. We, uh, we built out our porch on the backside of the house and built in, uh, or we have an overhang over that porch. So 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 yeah yeah, like yeah yeah. so everything is all set for year-round grilling. So that's my plan. Awesome, that's my plan. That that sounds good. Yeah, we on my end, you know, we we have the traditional uh, terrace or deck, you know, that uh, we have extended, and uh, I have my grill. It's a Weber, of course. So I like I like Weber products from Spurs and Spices and grill products, and down to the grill brush as well has to be Weber. Yeah, support Weber. Uh, but no, it's year round. I, I like to grill as well. Uh, for as my meats is also from the, it's local the best butcher. way to prepare the uh, meat. I think it's the right. best way. Nothing, nothing tastes better than that. Correct. I agree. I agree. So, so going forward, I like to grill year round. That's my thing. Yeah. Even when it's snow, it doesn't matter. Now, now I can whip up a good pork roast though. Uh, when it comes to oven cooking, um, yeah. uh, you know, right around Christmas and new year. You know, I can I, I can kick ass with a good uh, with a good pork roast, uh, and and the the key to that is long slow cooking. I'm talking like I'll use like six or seven hours in the oven, you know, at a low temperature to get that thing ready. I can see his mouth. Look at Wiley's mouth watering, everybody. <laughs> hey, I just got finished having bacon and eggs in the smoothie bed, so that's uh, I'm actually going. You you make it you making me water again. I'm not bored to do. Now deep frying. You know what I do now every year. You know we do Thanksgiving. No, we're on the subject here of you know foods and yeah. grilling, yeah. but deep frying. You know I'm a southern boy from Jacksonville, Florida. Stage. So I'm nice here t-shirt. For yeah, thank you, brother. Um, deep uh, deep fried grilling. I'm sorry, deep frying, not deep fried grilling, but deep frying turkey every year for Thanksgiving. That is one area of food that I have not explored personally. And I should be ashamed of myself. It's something I've been wanting to do, but I've just never bought a deep fry. I've never taken a step to actually get into it. I've eaten it before, but I've never done it myself. Right. Well, what I've done is uh, what we did when we moved over here to Norway. I brought over my deep deep dish, not deep dish, but deep uh, pot, deep dish pot, or the correct terminology of it. And um, it's like, I would say about 18 liters. I mean, we're in a metro system over here. So gallons, you know, you have to do the math. Uh, But it's, it's, it's large enough to put in a, that's about three gallons. Yeah. 10, 10 kilo uh, turkey or more. So I would say about a, that's a good um, size bird. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. So, so we're looking at a large, a larger size bird, and you know the con- contents of oil is all uh, measurements down to the T. You know, and also you have to have a fire extinguisher on the side just for cases if there's a nine. Someone please call nine one one. We have to put out that flame just in case if it overboils. But you know, to your listeners and viewers, I'm pretty sure they're more than several that we can count on our fingers and toes that have done deep fried deep frying before when it comes to turkeys, chickens, or roast beef. Now you, example, don't, but, now, you don't do your deep frying on on your nice, clean, pre-stained uh, uh, patio deck, do you? You know what you, I do, John? Don't you, don't you kind of have to, because it can get kind of violent. You, you know, know what I the, do, John? Yeah? You know what I do? I do it in my kitchen. No, I'm just kidding. No, so, <laughs> You're a brave man. You're a brave so, man. No, what I do is, I, I uh, every year I try to save as much cardboard uh, boxes as possible yeah. and put that as a barrier okay. on the f- top of the fryer, right? And the burner yeah. and also the pot, right? So any grease that would ma- magically overflow, it would catch it on the cardboard and, and that absorbs it. So I put maybe two layers on top so that way no stains will be on the deck or the terrace. And uh, yeah, go from there. I mean, you can also do it in the grass, but yeah. it's, it's my, it's for how, uh, how I mess this, Health, health, safety, and uh, uh, health and safety measures. I do it far away from the house as much as possible, yeah. and have the fire extinguisher available just in case if there's an accident. See, now my my inclination would be because I like I like to you know I like to collect my badges of honor. So my inclination yeah. would be to go ahead and just fire that bad boy up and let the stains be. I want proof that the, here, here is a man who is doing some serious deep frying, you know, let it stain. <laughs> but, the, but the only problem with that, now I, I said before, we have a big uh, patio, a big deck. Right. But it was right. Snoopy who built it. She's the one that swings mm-hmm. the hammer. I, I can't do it because of my shoulder. She, um, right. it was just last weekend uh, that she put the final touches on expanding and rearranging the way our patio situation nice. is. So if I were nice. to then t- turn on a deep fryer and mess that up. <laughs> she's, oh, you would have been news at, news at 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock. Oh, you talk man about that lives in, <laughs> man that lives in the southeast, <laughs> he, uh, he didn't quite make it, to, uh, make it to the next day because his wife came home from work and he was deep fried. Oh, I think we would create like, some new racial tensions in Norway. Uh, my mm-hmm. wife being a mm-hmm. Samisk or a Laplander, mm-hmm. as we would say in the States, and me mm-hmm. being a black mm-hmm. American, there'd mm-hmm. be some racial tensions after that incident. Let me grill, tell you. Hey, grill, grill lives matter. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, and, and I, I spend a lot of time making fun of uh, Norwegian culture, Norwegian cuisine, yeah. um, Norwegian norms and stuff. And I make fun of it a lot. I, I, I incorporate a lot of that into my stand-up routine. Um, it, it's a daily thing with me teasing my wife, but, but all, all, all joking aside, uh, I still, after 19 years here in Norway, I still think it's fascinating to be here. I learn something new almost every day, whether it's a reaction to something I say or do, where they react in an unexpected way because of the culture difference. And it's, it's not a big culture difference. It's, it's fairly slight, but things yeah. show up all the time. How, how, how have you experienced that? And are you homesick? Well, first of all, first and foremost, you know, I've lived here for, we've lived here for 13 years. My wife's Norwegian, obviously. So <clears throat> moving here in the beginning, it was quite a culture shock. Um, but, I think what helped me in the beginning is visiting Norway before we made the move over here. Yeah. Um, 
How many times? So I, I, I would say over the course of the years, I adapt to the culture and the culture adapts to me and I accept it. You know, there's, there's got to be a point in every person's life, man or woman, when you stay at a certain location in the world or you move to a certain location in the world, you do it for a reason, yes. right? We all do things for a reason. Yep. So for me personally to be here and live here in Norway and move in and, and move away from my family, immediate family mm-hmm. or nuclear family, should I say for that measure, it's, it, it was a challenge in the beginning and it's still a challenge every day, especially sure, through sure. all the, the, uh, the things that we go through in life with, with family, yeah. you know, with distance. And that's the key thing here. That's, that's the word distance, right? Yeah. It's, it's for me, it's, it's, um, it's, it was tough and it's still tough every day, but what helps me and my family is the, uh, the technology factor of yeah. speaking with them and seeing them more often through FaceTiming or, uh, Skyping, for example. So it's, it's been roughly a challenge, but every yeah. day I get integrated I learned the language. I remember, remember when my, when my wife's grandmother, when she was alive, you know, every time we visited her and that we started talking and then she'll come out and say, Oh, why well, I need to most like a Jordan. So to, to the viewers, you know, it's, it's a little bit of the Norwegian thing where, Oh, don't forget to speak in Norwegian, but I don't mind the language. Uh, I don't mind the culture. Um, the only thing I do mind is when, you know, people try to, lay it on you and right. they want they they want you to uh excel much faster on their terms can't be that way that's this important the 21st century you know we, we we don't need that no one needs that so you adapt and you integrate at your own pace especially when it comes to work it's it's now, interesting that you talk it's interesting that you talk about uh you mm-hmm. know integration on one's own terms mm-hmm. um you know, I, I've met my challenges here in Norway, but I, I, I like the, the challenges. I like the differentness. I like, um, uh, you know, the, the constant realization that there's something new to be learned here in Norway. Um, a lot of people come here and it's almost like they have a chip on their shoulder. Yeah. Now, I, I understand that because Norwegians can have a tendency to... Uh, demand, demand, demand. In other words, integrate mm. at the expense of your mm. own identity. Correct. And and that I will not have any part of. And I understand mm. that some people can get frustrated by by that. Mm. Uh, some immigrants can get frustrated by that. But I think mm. the key to 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 finding one's path here in Norway is just lose the chip on your shoulder. There's going to be mm. people here in Norway who demand that you, you drop everything that has to do with your mm-hmm. own identity and you assimilate mm-hmm. into this uh, thing that is all things Norwegian. Uh, Correct. And they're going to do that. But if you can learn to ignore that and excel mm-hmm. despite that, one can find one's own path here in Norway. And that doesn't mean that you lose your identity. It just means mm-hmm. you're expanding your identity. That's the way I've tried to look at it. I'm going to be myself, mm-hmm. but I'm also going to mm-hmm. add these good things that Norway can offer. Right. And the bullshit, I'm just going to stiff arm that and keep on right. running downfield. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're correct on that because that's how I, I view things. As, I view things now more of. And, and, and I do. And again, I, I get homesick. Sure. And I express that to my wife and, and also to my mom, you know, whenever that I speak with her uh, virtually. Uh, but you, yeah, but 
you know, in the beginning when I moved here, it was tough with work because, uh, of course, I don't have a trade or skill when it comes to being a uh, architect uh, or a lawyer or, or, or someone that works in, in governmental agencies. I'm not a Jason Bourne, so I don't have several passports <laughs> where, you know, I can, <laughs> I can say, okay, here. You I don't have an alias. Okay, I can no, I, I don't, I can't change my look, but no, I, getting integrated. I did it at my own pace. I went to Norwegian, uh, Norwegian course, Norwegian course, I took Norwegian courses. I went to school for it. And, um, I had, there's a few things I had to surrender coming here based on family you know, reunification, uh, moving into Norway moving to Norway and uh, adapting here in Norway. So you're, you're right on that scale where you as your own person, you have your own path, right? So that's what I have learned to do. And going forward, you know, I don't take any bullshit from anybody here. Any, any of, no. you know, I, 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 I set my standards at a even land, evil, uh, sorry, not evil, sorry. At an even, even uh, playing field level. Yes. You know? Yeah. So I don't, I'm not conceited. I don't strut my shoulders around and say, I'm the big guy. I'm the big guy on campus here. That's, that's not my thing. You know, I, I don't do that. No. But, um, I like to be treated with respect and, uh, and, and in return living here and, and going through. But you can probably, or can you say that you, for the most part, are treated with respect? For the most part, people are good and kind and understanding here in Norway. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I agree. Um, I agree. And it's just a little bit of a challenge when it's the nightlife, because I used to be a bouncer uh, when I first moved here to nowhere. That was my first job here, working as a bouncer um, wow, okay. at night times. So the inter nightlife was quite different uh, here compared to the States. No, you, you're a very patient man. You must be to work in that nightlife. I got uh, a lot of, I still get offers to do that. Yeah. And I just... I, I don't know. The, the, the way I look at the nightlife, and, and this is kind of, I don't know what this is. A lot of people interpret this as a certain kind of, of standoffishness or, mm. or, or anti-socialness for me. But as an entertainer, like when I do my stand-up or in the, during the times when I was performing music live, I would do my thing, do my show, and then as quickly as possible, leave the premises and go back mm. home. The nightlife, to me... It, Sometimes it's interesting to sit back because I, I don't drink. So I would always kind of lean back and just observe how crazy people would get. And it would be yeah. kind of entertaining. But yeah. the moment those people turn their focus to me, <clears throat> oh, here's that ba that black dude that was just on stage. Right. He's from the States. Right. Let me go talk yeah. to him. And then all of a sudden, yeah. you've got a drunk guy with a very in moist voice in your face and, and, and in the face and the patronizing mm. things when it comes to my blackness, you know, oh, mm. I have so many friends that are black and I know mm. this, you know, and all that. And it's just oh. like, okay. And I, and I just, I just have to go, but that's, you, you touch, you touch a note on that one where I can remember a few instances, you know, I, I got called, you know, I bet you the N word several times, I bet you, and, did, and, you know, yeah. and there was, there was consequences and repercussions on their part. You know, so <laughs> what does that mean? It was, it was no, it was no damage to the face, but you know, the okay. authorities got involved. Okay. But no, I mean, it, it, you're, the two things I always got asked in the nightlife was, "Uh, are, are you American or are you are you British?" Yep. So it's like, uh, "What's your what's your name?" Um, well, I don't, I don't feel comfortable telling my name because I don't know you. Right. You know, right. but nightlife here is is a little different in it comparison is. to the states. You know, and and. 
going forward, I, I'm so glad I got out of it because I went through different levels here in Norway. When you excel and you integrate, you go through different levels. Here. Sure. In the beginning, I worked as a bouncer. Except if after that level, worked in the airport as a I don't know, I was a CCATS controller. So it's a okay. safety yeah. air, airport yeah. safety personnel. Yeah. And then after that, moved on to the oil field, working at Halliburton. So it's networking that helped me get to where I am today, living here from nowhere for 13 years. Networking, networking, networking. I was going to say that I believe that that is the key to success as an expat. The key to success here in Norway is networking. You can't isolate yourself. And, and, and believe me, I get it because, you know, it's, it's a series of successes and failures, um, you know, to, 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 to find your spot here in Norway. And I think it boils down to how you accept the failures. What do you mm. do with that failure? Is it breaking you down or did you learn mm. something? Are you going to be mm. bitter from it or are you going to mm. use that knowledge to, to propel mm. yourself further on down the road? Um, mm. So that networking, that, that learning from each experience and that not being afraid to reach out and talk to people. And I, I used to try and play on my Americanness. Okay, you want to talk to me because I'm a black American? Let's talk. And in that conversation, I would try to put something out there that they might latch onto that I could then benefit from, uh, whether it was socially or, or professionally. So you gotta you gotta open your mouth and, and, and put yourself out there and try Local, and navigate. Correct. Yeah, and try and navigate through all of that. Because you know, it is a it's it is a mixture of success and failure. Uh, moments correct. of moments of frustration, deep frustration. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe you've been marginalized. They don't want to accept your mm -hmm. resume from the States. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't mm -hmm. see the value in your, in mm -hmm. your experience from back home, things like that. And I went through that. I, yeah. I, I went through that through, through NAV social services here. And in the beginning of trying to, trying to find work, you know, based on my curriculum, based on my, my uh, bachelor of science degree in sociology, minor in communications from, you know, my alumni, Yeah. you know, it's like, okay, well, we know that you have a degree, but what can you actually do here in Norway? What can you do for the Norwegian culture? So we, we you know, you have a, most people have counselors when you go through the social services system. And I went through the Yup focus or job focus uh, course where you actually get paid yeah. to be a part of their program and they help you find work. So that's a great program. That kind of helped. It, it helped a little bit, John. Okay. Um, but in the end, it, it really wasn't a good benefit because I was the one doing more of the lead work, you know, rather ah, than the I see. rather than the social services help, helping me more. Okay. You know, so so it was a short um, short lived process with them, and I'm glad that I parted ways and went my own path of networking on my own. How long were you here before you got that first gig uh, working a door at a night spot? I would say hmm, a few months, uh, three to four months, if I can recall. That's a pretty um, quick turnover. Some people, it's it a year, year or more before they get their first gig. Correct, because, you know, in the beginning, when we moved over here <clears throat> from, from the States, we, we had to live with my wife's uh, parents. And, man, I tell you, that was... That was a little bit work walking on eggshells. We did that too. We did that too you know, in the beginning. I was like I, can't, I couldn't go around, you know, in my birthday suit and, <laughs> you know, do, do, do what I wanted to do, you know, on certain things, you know, as an adult, of course, and have yeah. fun. 
But, you know, in the beginning, that was a challenge. And then we, we magically um, found a place to rent. And then from there, I was, my wife was started working in her company. She works in gas, long distance gas, gas and heating. Um, and in the beginning, it was what, a couple, few months. And then I had to register to surrender my uh, driver's license and also uh, get uh, apply to go to the Norwegian school. So it was a few months before I found, I met someone in our neighborhood and she, she put me in contact with a um, head bouncer, you know, like it's like roadhouse, you know, you have a cooler and yeah. you have the bouncers, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so she put, <laughs> Swayze. So she put me in contact with this guy and then we set up a mediocre interview, you know, it was based on the nightlife and all the glitz and the glory and the sounds, you know, going back and forth, getting to the point here, but you know, he gave me a job. So I came in wearing a suit, you know, we here in Norway as a bouncer, you wear a suit. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and and that's something different uh, in comparison to how it is in the states. It's more like g'd up, right, right, kinda, yeah, right, kind of thing of working here, yeah. and and that that's what happened with me. You know, going starting out in the nightlife industry as working in security. Yeah. You know, mm. now how how many mm. years did you do the 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 door work before you moved on? Good question. I'd say that was about what a year, a year and a half. I was doing, I was working in the nightlife and, uh, yeah, before I got into, uh, Securitas, yeah. uh, Securitas, the cherry police, as they call, you know, cause yep, Securitas, the cherry police, yeah. this is, the, this is the, the worldwide thing here. Yeah. The three red dots <laughs> of Securitas, not, not the bad Securitas here. They're, you know, they're a global company, They are, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, it was about a year and a half to two years. I uh, worked in the nightlife before I, uh, entered the, uh, industry working at the airport with now I'm sure you had some challenges. I'm sure oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you had a mixture of fun and entertainment, but also stress and irritation mm. uh, as a mm. as a nightlife as a bouncer as a bouncer. Yeah, I'm talking about as a, as a bouncer. As, as a bouncer uh, yeah. What is may, tell tell me one of the most I don't know interesting or entertaining stories about an experience you had as a bouncer. I want to know. I want to know what I'm missing because, like I said, I, yes. I've gotten a lot of offers to do that, and I just it, it's never appealed to me because <laughs> of the. I just know how people get, <laughs> and I just didn't want to deal. Wouldn't wouldn't well, want to do it. It's it's the music, the, you know, the music and the alcohol, you know, as a combination, and also the youth. Uh, when all those factors combine, uh, in, in at the time that I was working, I mean, now it's it's probably so much different over yeah. the course of the years, you know, but when I was working, uh, in the nightlife here several years ago, one experience I can recall is, you know, we had a few guys that started a brawl, uh, a, a ruckus, a brawl in on the dance floor at the establishment where I worked. And I, I can recall me and my colleagues, you know, we each one had to individually grab one and take one down yeah. and, they scored them down. But where I worked at, you know, we have, there's stairs to go down. Right. So that's always a challenge too. When you have to grab a patron, you know, <laughs> by his clothing or put him in a certain move, yeah. you know, with his elbows tucked up to his face, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit of a challenge, but I remember one patron that I had to escort out, you know, he was quite try to be rough and, you know, verbal running off at the mouth, like water, like a faucet, you yeah, know, and yeah. calling me all kinds of names from the N word to, 
uh, go back to Africa, this kind of thing. So I'm like, okay, dude, you're not totally, first of all, you're not educated. Second of all, you're getting kicked out. Third of all, you continue you're going behind bars. So, you know, we, I, they scored him out, didn't toss him out like a bag of groceries. So I, I sat him out, <laughs> opened up the fence, and he stands there, and he's still verbal, you know. So he called me the N-word again, and he picked up a snow, snow, you know, formed as a snowball because it's just the wind. He started a <laughs> snowball fight with you. Yeah, he started, he picked up the snowball, he formed it, right? So I'm looking at him, then he tossed it at me, right? So, <laughs> you know, reaction up, so I ducked. So I, <laughs> unfortunately, I gave him the, the benefit of the doubt. And I said, okay, this guy's drunk. And he called me the N-word again. So, I, you know, I, I ran after the guy. And he ran, too. I just wanted to kind of scare yeah. him, you know, put a little bit of fear. Yeah. So as he was running, there's a line of taxi cabs that's, you know, to drive people home, right? So he, a taxi cab was approaching. As, I, as he was running, the taxi cab put on his brakes. And as he braked the guy, he hit the hood of the car, <laughs> slid over. And he hit the ground and I ran to him and I said, you know, this is, this is what you call this. This is you that caused the situation. So police came over and they stopped long story short. They, I told them what happened. This guy here, he's intoxicated, deal with it. I got to go back to work. Yeah. So yeah. that's one of the instances and one of the moments working in the nightlife that I experienced here in Norway. That's one. I've always I, I thought, several more, but I've I always thought short. it took a special, it took a special kind of uh, patience yeah. for that. Um, yeah. you know, um, like I say, I, I see it, I, I would see it from the entertainer's point mm -hmm. of view, looking out mm -hmm. in the crowd and just seeing how crazy and some of the stupid things people were doing. It's, pre it's pretty fascinating, uh, and it can mm -hmm. be entertaining to watch, but actually having to get involved and put your hands on those situations mm -hmm. as a bouncer, mm -hmm. I just, you know, all respect. I, I just, I, but I, I couldn't have the patience for it, man. I think, you know, we have to move forward from that, you know, because we, first of all, we have families. Second yeah. of all, we're older. And at some point we realized that this isn't the life for me, yeah. you know, but it's, it's a challenge because in the beginning it, as an expat or moving here to the country as a regular citizen, you know, a, a US, United States overseas civilian as we're classified now, we're classified as United States overseas civilians now. Yeah. So moving over here to uh, moving to a different country or here in Norway, you know, you have to get in where you fit in. Absolutely. And yeah. In the beginning, you you have to work these odd jobs. Right. That's important to bring up. I, I think some of us uh, get into trouble because, you know, I talked about how mm -hmm. at times your, um, your your resume from back home in the States mm -hmm. isn't it, it carries mm -hmm. very little weight or sometimes no weight mm -hmm. at all here mm -hmm. in Norway. And a lot of people will resist that. They'll they'll. Um, They'll push back against that instead of finding mm. a way around it. Um, sometimes you have to let go of your pride and yeah, you've got this background and this education, but okay, it's not going to work here. So don't spend too much time being angry about that. You've got to, like you say, get in where you fit in. I use Correct. that. I use that term all the time, it, it, and, and it's important. It it it, yeah. it it will make life easier for you. In other words, choose your battles. You, right. you and I, it sounds like you and I think a lot alike when it comes we do. to it. We do, on, on, that, on that kind of level playing field. Now, neighbors, you know, that way I can come over yeah. and get some sugar from you. No, but, <laughs> <laughs> no, so, but yeah, but you're, you're totally right. I mean, my background, I'm, I'm an alumni, um, alumni from the Florida, the Florida State University in Tallahassee, Florida. And my, back, my bachelor of science degree is in sociology. So... Being a social worker here in Norway, you first and foremost is the language. You have to 
You have yeah. to understand and communicate, be verbal and Absolutely. write in the region. So that would have been a total challenge, you know, going forward. So being a social worker here, it's it's not, in my opinion, it's not the, uh, the one of the most interesting things for me to partake in. That's why I went into a different path and yeah. continued to network after the social night, the social nightlife and working at the airport through Securitas and now working at Halliburton. Now, I love the company I work for Halliburton. I, I, I'm a uh, technician uh, with Halliburton and I've been working with Halliburton now for eight years. So are you working, um, are you working directly on the lines or? Yes, I'm working onshore, not offshore. Okay. So onshore, I'm in workshops. So it's the helping and preparation and uh, assisting and uh, delegating uh, and oversighting uh, forms, checklists, anything yeah. when it comes to onshore and uh, preparing offshore tools to be sent offshore uh, for personnel that works offshore to work with those tools. It, it's very technical, so I keep it simple. So how did you right? end up there with a background in sociology? How did you end up in a job like that? That's quite the leap. It's just networking, John. You know, I met... I, I guess, I guess, one. I guess, and I want you to answer, but I guess a, 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 yeah. a better, a better formulated question is yeah. what was it about that type of work that attracted you to it? It's a, it was American, Amer, an American company that's here in Norway. Yeah. So I thought to myself, uh, how did I come across of meeting the personnel? Oh yeah. I remember I was working with, um, you threw them the, out of a club. No, it was actually <laughs> with us again. <laughs> Like, hey man, I remember you. You talked me out. Can I get you a job? They were, they were trying to make up with you, right? <laughs> uh, no, he. Um, when I was working with Securitas, I was working as a uh, fire guard with as one of the exercises because you have different different um, places where you can be set yeah. at and work as. Yeah. Uh, so I was working at a fire guard. Uh, through Securitas at a location, one of Halliburton's locations and here in Norway and working as, as, as a fire guard there, meaning that the reason I was stationed there, their system, their fire system was not working properly. Okay. So I was stationed there for two weeks, if I can remember, and being around, walking around and, and observing all the attributes that they have, that the machinery yeah. And the, the the location and, and, and the service that they provide uh, when it comes to uh, offshore uh, equipment or just the the mechanics of it, right? Because you have two divisions: you have production and completion, and drilling and evaluation. So, um, what I saw, I liked. And it was I just impressive the whole mechanics of it, right. the way it was set up, the professionalism. I mean, Halliburton's a solid company. Halliburton knows yeah, what they're doing. So absolutely, it's hands on. They're one of the oil, they're one of the oil companies that's you know provides oil, oil services throughout the world. There's several other American companies here in Norway as well, and yeah. you know they're global. <laughs> so um, yeah, I put in an application and I told one of the uh, service coordinators there I'm interested in working. Halliburton, what do I need to do? Uh, okay, well, you have to, yeah, we'll see if we have a position open. You have to apply, go online, apply, and yeah, we'll attach your CV to this particular uh, uh, position that comes open. So if anything happens, then we'll call you. We'll see so what we you can took a, You took an extra step 
Uh, a lot of people, the first thing they do is just send in an application when they see that a certain business is looking for people to work. You took Open a step. Right? You took a step mm-hmm. before that by saying, "Hey, mm-hmm. what do I have to do to work here?" And that personalized right. the process. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that whoever you spoke to and asked that question, I'm sure mm-hmm. that did something to them because I don't know that that happens too often here in Norway. Right. A lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, they're kind of, they're, they're a little more subdued. Uh, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying we as Americans are arrogant, but we're not afraid to mm-hmm. reach out and voice our desire to have something, mm-hmm. to get something done. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that outgoing aspect of your personality probably rang some bells in these people's heads so that when your application came through, they could put a face and a voice to that application. Am I correct. right? It, you took it, an extra step. It, that, that was correct. And it was the right time. I was in the right place at the right time. Yep. And, and I think that um, helped me out a lot. Uh, Cause in that, at that mm, department, there were several, personnel that were from different countries. You know, you had Egypt and one guy from Colombia, one guy from Italy and Norwegians, of course. So it was kind of strange in their, in their facility, Norwegians was on this side of the building and (laughs) the foreigners was on the other Uh side of the building, you know, but everyone worked together, you know, uh, as a a good function. What was the working, what was the working language? Did they speak Norwegian or was it in English? English? It was in English. Okay. It was, it was English, but of course, you know, here in Norway, you it's Norwegian, right? So you have to, foreigners have to adapt to that. And you, you have to do it to the best of your capabilities. But so in that um, international, say, so in that international mm-hmm. job, they expected everyone mm-hmm. to speak Norwegian is or well, as, as it being an American company, you know, based here in Norway, the, the, the most common language of course is English, right? So, but of course you have personnel that, uh, that work for Halliburton. They are Norwegian. Yeah. Um, they speak Norwegian and of course they speak English as well. So you have to have a, the, the, the barrier of communication has to be, um, a common playing field. So I see. Yeah. some foreigners that, um, are people who are not foreigners. I hate, you know, people from other countries that live here in Norway that are, um, live-ins here or, uh, expats that live here. Um, so you have to understand they, no, we just have to understand that English is the most common language that is spoken. So, um, along the lines, you adapt to it as a, as a person that living here out of the country where Norwegian is spoken here. But at the end of the day, meetings are conducted in English because you have, you have, it's an American company. You have citizens that live in the state that work for Halliburton. You have the scheduled meeting and it's virtual, of course. Town hall meetings now virtual due to the pandemic. Yeah. So it's in English. Okay. It's an American company. And I love working for Halliburton. I couldn't imagine it being a bad work environment there. Um, because when, when you say Halliburton, I think um, tradition, I think solid mm-hmm. company, I think well-paid. Roll big red. Big Red, you know, it, it, we always see this uh, video every year. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Halliburton is celebrating 100 years of service, uh, over 100 years of service now. So it's, uh, it's a strong name. You it know, is. Halliburton has been around for a long time. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of uh, plants or regions that Halliburton covers. 
you know, and provide services to, to customers, you know, globally. So it, it's a solid, for me, in my opinion, it's a solid company to work for. You know, there are several other oil companies that are out of there, but for some reason I'm sticking to Halliburton. And I think they are a reputable company that provides excellent services to uh, to their customers. And it's it's a, um, a good way of learning. Um, yeah. I guess every every company has a good way of learning how it is in the oil industry, right? But sure. you you how I started, you know, I, I put my passion and the drive to move forward of becoming an, a key entity with the company. So I continue going and selling my my skills with the company, and so I love it. There was a lot of people when we lived up north. There were a lot of people in our little village. Um, and village is the proper term. <laughs> is way up north. There's hardly anything else going on up there, but tons of guys. Uh, worked in the oil business and it would be this thing where you know they're gone for a month and then mm-hmm. off for a couple of months Offshore, and, and, yeah. and then and then you know so you would see your friend you know my, the friends that trained at my mm-hmm. gym and things like that would mm-hmm. disappear for a couple mm-hmm. of months or you'd hear them mm-hmm. talking about they got to catch the plane from Trump so because they're going down to mm-hmm. you know wherever Stavanger but again where, wherever mm-hmm. to, to and most of these guys were offshore but some of them worked in um I can remember guys talking about they had an apartment in Sumnus because they would work from there. And Correct. some some of them work, they may be colleagues of yours, you know, some of them probably, probably worked at Halliburton. Yeah. Oh, Wiley, I know that guy. Oh, yeah, Ob Yeah, I know him too. Yeah, okay, we <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's like that. It's, yeah, it is like, like that. that sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and these guys, um, um, it was such a contrast because up there it was kind of you know we're talking about up in Finnmark in uh, in in uh, Nordthrums, uh and uh, places where people weren't actually they weren't quite poor but they were living a simple life, yeah. but then all of a sudden here's this guy, and then you find out what he you know, and you see his house you see the car he drives and you find out what he's doing well he's working in the oil business, uh, you know whether it's some sort of a technician or an engineer. Mm-hmm. Uh, just one of the, you know, they mm-hmm. used to call them the grease guys, the ones that would go the offshore. Yeah, the ones yeah. that would go offshore, <laughs> and, and yeah. So it was, um, it was a good career. There was a time where I, before we, uh, um, before I got started and what I ended up doing, I was thinking, ah, eh, you know, maybe I should check out this stuff in the oil fields or, or offshore or something. But mm-hmm. I, I never made anything of it. But it was something that crossed my mind because I saw how much money people were making, and they said it was. Mm-hmm. Everybody talked about what a good work environment it was good well, I would say, you know working offshore it's it's definitely one of the key attributes that you could be successful in yeah. um offshore life i've never experienced it yeah. uh when i first started with halliburton i worked in wireline and perforating and my status was a offshore operator assistant so unfortunately our um, our department shut down due to the uh, economic boom that it was in 2006 if you can remember yes uh no i'm sorry not 2006 because that was in the states then i'm sorry this was in 2008 2000, wasn't it 2013 going on 2000 okay. in between 2013 and 2014 where there was an economic uh, boom that transpired here in uh in norway and the uh, the oil field was uh, kind of uh not doing so well so um, our department shut down operations, and um, I got relocated to a uh, different department in mm. perforating because it's wireline of perforating. So I worked in the perforating uh, portion of um, the uh, the department. So um, yeah, it was tough because 
I wanted to travel offshore, and unfortunately that stopped. Uh, but onshore, I, I don't mind, you know, either or going forward because a job is a job. A here, job is a job, yeah. You, right. As long as you provide the services and come show up every day and do your expectations, yeah. uh, uh, what you're supposed to do, then going forward, you, you do what you can. Yeah. And I think going forward, I... I see myself um, continuing working with Halliburton as I excel in different levels because, you know, you start in one position, you you go through competency, you have to know what you're doing. You have There's a to, lot of internal education opportunities, aren't there? Right. Yeah. Right. Ab- absolutely internal and, and a little bit of external as well. Okay. So yeah. you go through the level of competencies and you get tested on how to assemble tools or equipment and, um, yeah, you, you have a path. So everybody has gaps that they have to close. Yeah, if you're, yeah. if you're in the oil industry, you know, every, you know, it's about gaps. So you have to close gaps on each level and, uh, it, at each uh, position that you are designated, what you're classified as, as for the operator assistant or tool tech specialists or, uh, professionals, specialists, whatever that they terminology is going towards engineer, going towards service coordinator. So there's different paths that you can excel at. It's just up to you as the individual to own it and, well, and go forward. In it. Well, thinking about when you started then, how much learning did you have to, uh, consume before you before you were effective and how does that work did they give you time to learn how to because again you had a completely different background right so how much internal learning did you get how how much internal schooling did you have to go through before you were an effective employee well as an effect every every day is a learning experience so you're you're not going to be able to cram everything in in one in one quarter you know um like i said i've been in employed as an employee with Albert for eight years now. So there's a lot of internal um, technical data uh, when it comes to the competency that you have to learn. So you, 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 you have that path that you set forward, your supervisors, they, they set a certain goal for you to be established then at and to be educated on. So corporate, you have, um, classes or courses, not classes, but courses that you have to continuously take for each level that you close a gap on. Right. So it's always hands-on learning. It's always sitting in the computer lab, learning, taking courses, right. And, and, and being alert, right. Being in tune with everything. So onshore offshore is completely different. I've never been offshore. So I can't tell you what the experience is working offshore. Um, you know, it's, um, I'm not sure if it's like uh, where you can get a long fishing rod and, you know, <laughs> fish over <laughs> offshore and catch a big fish. But, but no, on, onshore life is totally completely different than offshore life. Yeah. And um, for me, well, you come home every day. Right. You come, right. That right there is probably the biggest home. difference. Right. Especially when you have family. I mean, there's, there's offshore personnel that have families too. Um, but I can't tell you what their lifestyle is whenever that they come from offshore or being away from their families at that short pitch. Well, well, I can tell you, I can tell you again, living up North and being in a community, a, a little village where tons of guys uh, worked mm-hmm. offshore. Those are some of the happiest people I've ever seen here in Norway. No doubt. Because the money yeah. is incredible. Like I said, these Absolutely. guys live like they're some sort of corporate executive. 
<laughs> they have so much money, beautiful houses, cars, and all that stuff, and all the little toys. It's like a risk, risky business moment, you know. Right, right. But I think what, but I think what made them the happiest was that balance where you know they'd be uh you know some of them had like only two weeks away but some of them had a month away but then they would get two months at home and i'm thinking right. that month away can be rough but having two months at home when you're making you know your your salary is so doggone high mm. but you're gonna have periods where you're home for a couple of months you know six weeks at a right. time and it just did something with their their happiness and their satisfaction with life those guys were so relaxed and happy and, and it's also a balance in between, you know, your spouse, you know, for your wife, if you're, uh, you know, if you're, if you're the, the, um, offshore mother yeah. or you're the offshore father, you yeah. know, yeah. It, it's just that balance that both of them have with each other. You talk about it, you go through it. Okay. This is what, and, and it's even tougher if both the employees are offshore personnel, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so that's, totally different subject, a totally different topic of what they go through. Right. You know, are they happy? We don't right. know. Yeah. <clears throat> so, but yeah, that the, the quality of life is it's, you know, the money's there and it's, and it's there to be earned because you, there's so many fine little perks that are there working offshore that you get paid for. Yeah. Like if you have to wait to get picked up to travel back onshore from offshore, oh. Yeah, some of those, some of the happiest moments in those guys' careers, they said, was yeah. if there was a storm, a hurricane, or something. Oh yeah, and they would get stuck. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, did they get? It's paid. like a mini vacation. It's like, oh yes, yeah. I'm going to kick my feet up. I'm going to relax. This is what I'm going to do. Oh yes, I'm going to just sit and chill. And this is going to be my thing of waiting for that helicopter to come pick me up. Ah, oh, can you pass me those peanuts? No, but it's like, dude, it's like that is the most. That's the best. One of the best things yeah. of working offshore is yeah. the perks. Yeah. Waiting for it to get picked up. If there's a storm, uh, it's like paradise. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. No, that it's a it's a good career choice. Whether it's onshore or or, or offshore, it's it's a good career choice. Like I said, I I, I was looking into that uh, at at one point when I first got here. Well, it's it's never too late, you know. And, yes, it uh, is. Yes, it is. It's too late. <laughs> it's too late. Stop being nice, man. It's too late. <laughs> But no, um, <laughs> I, I would say going 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 forward, um, you know, there's always things can change with the blink of an eye. Sure, you know, sure. there's always different paths that you can take working in the in the industry. So, you know, tomorrow could be something different. You know, um, you know, my wife and I, we have two kids, to, two beautiful kids with each other, two two boys, mm -hmm. and they're very active. So, you know, when the time is ready for them to go to university, if they want to travel back to the States, go to university there or go to university here, you know, with our jobs, you know, if they want to go back to the States, who knows how things will be yeah. Um, yeah. if we would move over. But the beautiful thing is with Albert being global, uh, it will be a good thing, possibly. That could be a path. Right. That could be a path to get back, yeah. Correct. Correct. But the challenge would be for my wife to find work there as well. But I don't think that would be an issue. Let, let me ask you something now about family sure. life. Mm. Uh, if I can get a little personal and, and I'll share with Go you, as, I'll share with you as well to lighten, to lighten the load. But Go for it. How, how old are your kids now? My oldest, our oldest is 13. He'll be 14 November. And our youngest is nine. Okay. Yeah. Nine this Rough, May, roughly May. the same age as ours. 15. Our daughter is 15. Our son is 13. Um, how do you, what, what, what are your thoughts about your children's Americanness, their blackness, 
and how little or how much they are aware of that and conscious of it. Is that something hmm. that you think about? Uh, well, what I try to instill to them every day, every hour, every minute is that they are, they, they are brought into the world to make a difference. Right. So it's not, that alone is a beautiful statement. That alone is a beautiful approach to, to, uh, to, yeah. to the question I asked that alone yeah. covers everything. Yeah. 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 So, so to elaborate a little bit more, do I every day say, okay, you're American, you're an American and Norwegian citizen. Right. Um, I think what, what, what's more patriotic about it is every time that they celebrate their birthday, I bring out the bells and whistles. I bring out the American flag and the yeah. Norwegian flag and, you know, fly them at the same time <clears throat> inside the house and outside the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that way they know that, okay, it's my birthday. Um, I'm celebrating it. And yeah, but you know, at that age where they are now, they're, they're very young. They're, they're getting it, you know, cause that at a, at a certain point in our age and every pretty age, everyone's age, you, when you get it, you know how life is, you understand yes. life. Yeah. Um, so, but it's up to us as parents, me and my wife to instill into them of what they are, who they are. Yeah. Right. So, so that they understand it and get it. But I don't think that our oldest is, is, is there yet of getting it, of knowing what it is, the difference between being Norwegian and American. Right. Mm-hmm. So they, they know that they have a dual citizenship. Um, they know that they are biracial. Right. Cause obviously my wife's she's white. She's Norwegian. I'm, I'm American mm-hmm. black. So, you know, bald head as well. If I put on a turtleneck, I might look like a roll on deodorant. I should <laughs> have to cement our brotherhood. I should have, I sh- and I just a couple of days ago shaved off my goatee. I should have oh, had a, man, we got know. the bald head and goatee crew right here. You man. know, that, that's the thing. That's the thing. You know, I, I, I have to keep it. I have to keep this going. My wife, you say, if I cut off, I look like a different person. Well, I'm still the same guy. The same guy. <laughs> but no, but no, but the kids, you know, they, um, I think what helps as well is the communication with my family back home, um, Bingo. more often so go. that way they know their history. They know that, okay, they have, uh, a family of, a family that's that's black Americans or African Americans, and also on the other side, it's white Americans or yeah. no, I'm sorry, um, not white, white Americans, uh, Norwegians, right? Yeah. So so there's two different spectrums there all the time. Whenever that is family gatherings, there's two different spectrums there all the yeah. time. So for me living here, I have to be on that spectrum on the Norwegian side. Yeah. And when it comes to on the American side, I'm so glad you know, that whenever that we get a chance to go back home, if we ever get there anytime soon with yeah. the pandemic, hopefully this, this God December. willing. Right. No doubt. So, but they going forward, John, I think they're still learning. And, um, at some point they'll get it that mm. a, they have two citizenships. B they're biracial black and, and black American and Norwegian American and C going forward, they're, they're, they're male, right? They're, they're, they're making a difference of growing up in the world, living where they are now overseas. That's important about uh, teaching them that they're here to make a difference. I try to put that into my kids' mind and into their mindset Mm -hmm. uh, as well. Um, Mm -hmm. 
they're different. They have a different background, right. and and I try to yep. show them that that that's there's nothing negative about that because mm-hmm. some people are if they haven't already at some point they're going to be met with some negativity about their background, and I tell them uh, I, I'm preparing them for that by telling them that their background is an asset. Yes. Um, the diversity yes. in their family tree uh, mm-hmm. is an asset. Yeah. Um, yes. It, and and for me, it's a little. It's even more of a challenge because you know my my father. At some point, we have to. We should touch base on that. My because you're a, you're a former police officer. Yeah. And my father was a police officer as well in Jacksonville, Florida. That's okay. you know, my my hometown city. And uh, God rest his soul. My father passed on in 2002. He had a heart attack. Oh. I'm sorry. And um, as him being you know, their grandfather there, he doesn't have on my side of the family, he doesn't have a grandfather to, to speak with on that, you know, English American, yeah. you know, playing field. So that's, right. that's a little bit tough, you know, it's a big hole in his learning experience, you know, uh, Correct. it's a, it's a mentorship <laughs> that needs to be filled. If you know what I mean? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Cause I'm a, I'm a splitting image of my father. I don't have any pictures that's, that's, that's close by, but I'm a, I'm a splitting image of my father. And, um, you know, every time I, I FaceTime with my, my, my mom or other family members, oh, Wiley, you look just like your daddy <laughs> as you grow up. And, oh, you're so big and cuddly. Oh. So, how, how often so, do you talk uh, with them back home? I'm sorry, again? How often do you talk with your family back home? Man, that's right. I talk, I call my mom. I would say maybe if I can three times, at least three times throughout the week. Um, and with the virtualness of uh, FaceTiming, we try to do it at least two times a week. Yeah. At least two times a week. It depends on our schedules. Cause, that's you know, about yeah. Kids. That's about how yeah, often I speak with my mother. Right. I, I just spoke with my sister yesterday, and and uh, uh, if if you're listening, Meredith, uh, I love you. She's. Um, She's my sister, of course, but she's also been like a friend. I mean, we we have inside jokes <laughs> where we don't even have to say anything. It's just it's just yeah. a look. It's there, yeah. Um, yeah. Like a, a lot of the things that I tease Snoopy about are based on things that my sister and I used to joke about when we were kids. So it's real right. funny. It's cute whenever we're whenever we're home. And yeah. and my sister and I and Snoopy might be sitting there and Snoopy will say something, maybe because her accent or, or whatever. And my sister and I would just look at each other and start laughing. And Snoopy's like, what, what? And it's like, no, you, you won't get it. Never mind. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you're, you're from Ohio, right? Ohio, yeah. Right. And <clears throat> well, how, how is the dialect? Because I never, I never met any Ohioans. You know, you know Ohio's, you're the first, actually. Ohio's a really weird, weird place. Um where I grew up, a little town called Norton. Actually, back then it was called the Village of Norton. It was a real small, right. very rural place. Very village rural. Village people. Very rural. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that kind of village. Although that kind of village is okay. That kind of village is okay. No doubt, man. No, it was, uh, no, it was a very rural, uh, rural place. And the makeup of that area... Uh, you could say like the, the, the Northeast Ohio area, both urban and suburban and rural, there's a lot of people who, uh, I, I can remember going to school, uh, with kids and a lot of their parents had Southern accents because there's a lot of people who had moved from Virginia and West Virginia to that area of Ohio, uh, for okay. the jobs, you know, the rubber industry, okay. you know, Goodyear, right. Firestone, Goodrich out of Akron. Ohio. Mm, rubber. Mm. Yeah, mm. the rubber industry. 
so so a lot of these people had southern accents so if you listen to people i don't know my my age and a little bit younger and a little bit older you're going to think that they're a southern hillbilly the way they talk mm. when mm. i i don't hear it in my own voice now mm. but if i listen to like my my sister especially my mother they sound like hill well well it's a little bit different with my family because they came from um not Virginia and West Virginia, but, but from Tennessee and Kentucky. Okay. Uh, my mother's mother and father and, and that generation. So I'm only mm. the second generation away from, you know, <laughs> scratching in the dirt in the hills of Kentucky. <laughs> right. Right. You know, so that's, that. You, you have this weird mix of good old normal Midwest accent, which mm. is kind of bland mm. and not really noticeable. Mm. And mm. this deeply rooted Southern influence. Mm. So Ohio mm. is just kind of, it's kind of oh, weird. Does like your, that. Your, your family, does your family, more so your sister, do they recognize your, your dialect? If you Absolutely. still, Absolutely. have you, has, has it, has it changed or has it stayed the same? No, my, my dialect has absolutely changed um and i think it is because i i really had to to change the way i speak and speak more straightforward for snoopy's benefit when we met because at that time her english you know her english is is pretty good now i tease her about her accent but it's pretty good right now but when we met it was pretty bad and i had to i had to speak much slower yes yeah when yeah. Little, yeah, little things like that. Speaking slower and dropping a little bit of the slang. You know, I can't say, I couldn't say, you know, how, how y'all doing? I had to be, how right. are you guys? You know, little things like right. that so that I could be understood by Snoopy. To be honest with you, John, I still keep that Southern slang. Yeah, I'm you know, from Florida. Well, you can't help it. You can't state, help it. Of course, you know, you can't but I, I, whenever I enter the room, uh, I set the tone, you know, and I, that's my thing. And visiting my wife's family, how y'all doing? You know, right. I, I still keep that, you know, cause that's, that's something that I was, I, I, I was brought into the world of experiencing. So yeah. that's my culture. And but, I think for my wife's family, they love the culture that I bring to them yeah. every day that I meet yeah. them. Well, but so, so when I first met Snoopy, I had to clean up the way I talk, but then when clean up, I had to adjust the way I spoke so I yeah. can make myself it's understood. All good. It's all good. I know what you mean. Yeah. But, but now, um, <laughs> Uh, when the kids came, when we got our kids, and, and, and I've, I only speak English with my kids. I never have spoken a word in Norwegian with them, and I never will. I insist that they answer me in English as well. Damn it. Yeah, 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 you know. <laughs> well, and, and I see the payoff. <laughs> but, but, but you know what? But I, but I see the payoff because when they speak English with me or when they speak English with family back home, it's yeah. my clean Oh, my clean, not my adjusted Ohio dialect, but it's my clean right. Ohio dialect. So, so it's, your pro- it's your proper, your proper vernacular and also your dialect of, yeah. of how you deliver to them. And right. that's normal. You should. Exactly. You should. Exactly. So, yeah. So Colin, you know, I, I throw slang in now where I had to remove it when I first met Snoopy. Now it's yeah. back in. For, and that's mostly for the kids' benefit. And if Snoopy gets confused, I just love it, and I just put it. I I put it into my stand-up comedy act. I just when she's confused by what I say, it's just new material for my stand-up act. 
because you know when we speak the slang, right? That 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 look. I love it's it. It's like okay, yeah, you you didn't get it. you could you could tell like our our uh, our better half families. <laughs> You know, the in-laws are like, okay, uh, what did you say? I'm trying to process it. And I'm like, okay, I know you don't get it. So I just, you know, pol- politically correct, give it to you. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's good that we we use the slang because, you know, in Norwegian, they have slang as well. Sure, every every sure. language, they have their own slang. Sure. But I think the difficult part about slang is with our offspring is if we speak it you know, and they hear that, then they think it's okay to use it while they're at school and also writing now as that, well. That has been a problem. Well, it's not a yeah. problem anymore, but it was an issue at one point when they were younger yeah. where I'm right. like, oh gosh, you know, I got, I got to, I got to, I'm going to speak my dialect, my, my accent or whatever, my Ohio yeah. thing, but I also have to teach them, you know, you don't say ain't, it's not going to, or, or you know, or whatever. Right. I had to teach them Correct. that part as well. But, but, but again, the payoff has been immense. Um, um, our son who is in, um, eighth grade now mm-hmm. this year, he's finished with high school English two years ahead oh, really? of time. Yep. Two years ahead of time. He's done with it now. What'd you guys do? Did you send them to summer school every year? Say, Hey, you're going to go to English every year or what, what we did. And, and our daughter finished a year, a year ahead of time. Uh, she's uh-huh. going on to, uh, to V that are going to, you know, uh, what are you going to school? Yeah. Second stage of high school, I guess. Right. Um, what we did was we made a point when they were younger, like already maybe around in fourth or fifth grade to tell the teachers that these children of ours speak English at home and mm-hmm. they speak it fluently mm-hmm. and we want the opportunity for our children to show you people at the school that they are advanced. Mm-hmm. We met a little bit of pushback, but I talk about Snoopy all the time. She's mean. She's <laughs> evil. So that pushback didn't last very long. And our children were able to, to demonstrate through, you know, through, through, uh, if it wasn't direct testing, it was just through, you know, verbal and written assignments that, Hey, these right. kids are advanced. And they, they both got pushed up. Yeah. Uh, two grades yeah. in their English. Correct. And that was, Correct. I want to say it was in fourth grade for our son yeah. and in yeah. fifth grade for our daughter. So the whole mm. way they've been a couple of years ahead. Um, mm. Yeah. You know, so that's just it, something it, that we insisted upon. Our children can do it. Let them show that they can. Right. And you know, they, in, I would say the uh, secondary education before getting there, what my, our, our, our oldest son now, he is going on ninth grade next year. Me in a class, he's going on ninth grade next year. So the, what I've noticed is that they have this, uh, for, for deep, for deep, yes. yeah. it's a uh, in-depth, in-depth, um, level of yeah. the, uh, the course yeah. or, or the subject. Yeah. Like they have this in English in Norwegian Advanced English, and yeah. also, um, the other languages like French, yeah. Spanish yeah. as well. So as a key focal, focal, focal yes. point for them. So I think for me helping out him or helping the kids out is for me continuously, like you do also speak English uh, all the time. If there is something that's straight to the point where you want to kick it out of Norwegian, I do that, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm, str- I'm more strict it, than that. I, j- I speak zero Norwegian to them. You speak new, zero Norwegian now. None yeah. to the, I don't, and, and I jump on them. If they, if they say the slightest word Norwegian to me, I'm like, <laughs> Suck in the teeth, roll the eyes, and turn away. And they get it. They get it. 
there's a culture thing. There's a cul- there's a culture thing right there. I, that is that is. I, I try to I try to give give always give our sons the benefit of the doubt because I know that. If so I so I'm an asshole. Fast, in other words, right? No doubt. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's being that's being that's being a jerk. Mom, that's being a jerk. He's talking too fast and he's speaking in, in a certain t- uh, tongue. You know, he's hypnotized with something. You know, he's bringing out the Baptist, the Baptist sin from Amen. church. Amen. You know, so it's like it's there. It's, it, that happens every now and then in the household. You know, my my background. I have my siblings. I have an older brother and a younger sister. So I'm middle child, obviously. So and as they say here in Norway, dritten mitten. So I, I don't <laughs> see myself as, as, as the shit in the middle. <laughs> but uh, but no, man. Um, living here and and with our kids, it's uh, it's a little bit of a challenge here and there because I, I like, of course, I love for my kids to be excel and do whatever that they want to do as their passion. Right? Yeah. Uh, if it's in school or if it's in activities of sports, uh, with, with me growing up, it was, um, I love the band, man. When I was growing uh, up in high school, I played, I uh, played a tuba. Did you? Okay. Okay. So bass was the thing, right? Bass, bass was my word, you know, growing up and uh, being in high school and uh, my father, you know, he convinced me to, uh, to play sports and get out of the band. You don't want to be in a band, you know, play an instrument, play sports. So, uh, I gave up the band. I wish I would have stayed with it because I probably would have been an awesome bassist. You know, <laughs> I was going to ask you: life. Do you play any instruments now today? I don't play. I, I don't play any instruments now. Um, I probably could still play the tuba. I, there's some notes. You know, it's still memory. You just have yeah. to, you know, get back into get get back in tune with yeah. in tune yeah. in tune with the instrument. Yeah. But um, no, no instrument playing. Uh, sports was my thing. I played in high school. I played baseball. Uh, track and field I threw the discus and shot put and uh also play football you were a linebacker um, right I was a linebacker yeah yeah. I was I was a linebacker I played linebacker defensive in high school and uh, in college university uh starting out when I graduated from high school I went to the University of South Carolina and things didn't go well there uh wasn't really happy of how life was going so I transferred from University of South Carolina back down to Florida. You didn't like their the, mascot name. That's what it was, wasn't it? Gamecocks. You know, I was like, go Cox. <laughs> Fight. Win. Kick ass. No. <laughs> Those cocks are it kicking ass. Big, you know, it's like, hey, that's, that's the slogan. That's their chant. You know, like, every time in the stadium, you know, it's like, go Cox. I'm like, ah. is this like, is this a uh, X-rated term that's going on? Yeah, here? you know. <laughs> But no, I, I had to get out of South Carolina. I went back down to Florida, went to, to Tallahassee Community College, got my associate in arts degree, trans over, transferred over to Florida State, and um, got acclimated at Florida State. And I was a walk-on. I became a walk-on. Oh, were you? Okay. At, yeah, the Florida State University. No scholarship, man. So I was a walk-on. Okay. And um, yeah, I, I didn't get any, you know, first string playing time when I was at at, at, the, at the Florida State University. Um, I remember I got my bell rung uh, <laughs> on kickoff. You know, on on kickoff, I was I, I made the I got the opportunity to be on kickoff team. Uh-huh. And uh, this against it was against Maryland. This was a homecoming game. I remember it like yesterday. And this was a homecoming game. And um, 
yeah, I got my bell rung, man. I was like, it was just one of those things where you just get, everything goes like so dizzy in your head and I lost, I lost my balance, fell down. <laughs> I was like, oh, I embarrassed myself, you know, cause my parents were there at the homecoming game. I was like, oh, what am I going to do? I got the smelling salt. You came yeah. back too. Oh. So it was like one of the most weirdest experiences in my life, but actually the best experience and weirdest experience of my life playing at a division one football university. Yeah at the Florida State University. And um, I was I was happy and glad to be a part of that. And uh, having former players that I'm still in contact with every now okay, and then. Yeah. And um, recognizing that. I got the accolades, you know, I got my rings in the safe here. I yeah. got plaques, you know, going yeah. around. So I don't have, I can't, I, I have it close by, but I don't think it's my thing to, you know, to show it. <clears throat> There's nothing like that experience of being, you know, 18, 19 years old and on a college, a division yeah. one college football team. I played at Ohio University. Yeah, yeah um, we touched based on that one. Yeah. Talking ta talking about the, the I don't know, that harsh reality of college football <laughs> versus high school football. Yeah. I remember when we played um, against LSU. Oh, the Tigers. And yeah. it, it was a home game. I, I didn't play that game, but... Uh, I remember how big and super athletic they all were. And it was like, how, how, how is, how is this possible? Uh, I don't remember what the score was at that game, but they humiliated, uh, they humiliated us. And I'm probably just blocking out the score, but looking at those boys, those young men and, and seeing the, the otherworldly level of athleticism and size, yeah. the speed, yeah. the quickness, the the muscularity, and I'm just like, what, what have I gotten myself into? What? Do yeah. <laughs> it's it's totally it's totally different, man. Yeah, it uh, is. It in, is in different conferences, different yeah. divisions. Yeah. You know, we have three in college. It's three divisions and different different and the sizes are so much. You know, it's impeccable. You know, when yeah. you get offensive linemen that pancake you. Hello, you know, hello. That, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, I was man. lucky though. I was lucky though mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. how, how tall are you? You're you're you're. I'm I'm six one. Okay, I'm five six eight. one and, and six one. And my and my playing weight was two forty five, two fifty. Okay. So so now I'm around two ninety five, three hundred on a consistent basis after a good meal, you know, three hundred five. <laughs> you know, but it, it fluctuates. I'm I'm five eight after a good night's sleep, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and I played. <laughs> And, and and I was I was running back, so I was one of those short, really muscular, compact, and quick people. So I I, I was right. so lucky because of that. I never got my bell rung. I was always yeah. able to juke just enough right. to where it would soften the blow. Yeah, you deliver the blow. But yeah, yeah, you know. But uh, yeah. but but just uh, that that experience, that step up from high school, from being one mm. of the best in the state mm. to being mm. just another guy on the, on the mm. field in college, man. Totally, it was, uh, totally. It's, it's it's different, you know. I for me as a walk on, you know, it's 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 it was more of a challenge because you have to you have to show you have to prove yourself. Yeah. Right. It's like it's like that movie um, Rudy, you know, where he made it. And that was based on a true story, yeah, actually. It is. Yeah. Where he made the the uh, the the, uh, the the team of the University of Notre Dame, Notre Dame, 
you know, where he, he made it. He was successful. And he was a short guy. Yeah. And he produced. He was at every almost every position on the field. Yeah. You know, so so being a walk on at any university, at any level, any division, any conference, when you when you step yourself, you put yourself out there as a walk on. That means you're trying to prove yourself. And when you make it on the team, any level, division one, two, or three, you make it on that team. You prove your point, right? And you excel. You got the scholarship. So you're, you're going your own way. We so had that, a guy. That's very important. It's very, very important. important. And, and it's such a, such a personal accomplishment. We had a guy. Uh, we had a guy. We called him Grandpa. And I cannot remember his name. But he was a walk-on. And he was 28 years old. What? Now that's old. 28? 28. Wow. He, uh, he had been in the military. Uh, I think he, was in the, he had been in the Army. And he got discharge, a medical discharge. Something happened with his hip. Yeah. Uh, and then he rehabbed himself up from that injury. Uh, got in perfect shape. He was a running back too. Um, yeah. We called him Grandpa. Twenty eight years old. Grandpa. Yeah. And and, and wow. his journey, you know, you know, and, and then you know, going <laughs> back at that age, going back to an academic life, mm. as well as being a walk on, and just all of the adversity that this guy met. Mm. If I could mm. ever remember mm. his name, I would. Definitely reach out to him and get him. Uh, it's all good, man. You know, podcast. if everything happens for a reason, he might be listening. You know, he might be. And it, yeah. and it, and at any given point, you can come across your path because that's how, how uh, the premonition part of it. You know, things happen for a reason. It's always yeah. destiny. So if it's meant to be, it's meant to be, right? Yeah, yeah it'll it'll happen. There's it another guy, another uh, former uh, teammate at Ohio University. I want to reach out to. Um, you're familiar with MMA, and of course, there's uh, the right. UFC, but then there's also Bellator, right? Bellator, okay. Yeah, yeah, you've never heard of Bellator. Never heard of, never heard oh, of Bellator. Wow, okay. Bellator, B-E-L-L-A-T-O-R. Yeah, it's one of the okay. major uh, MMA uh, organizations. Oh, yeah. The founder okay. of that is an alum from Ohio University, a guy named Bjorn oh, Rebney. Wow. Uh, oh, yeah. okay. I, think he, I think his parents are Swedish. His first name was Bjorn. His last name is Bjorn, Rebney. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like for everyone listening, Bjorn Bear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but he uh, he went on uh, he went on to found Bellator, one of the top MMA organizations internationally. Wow, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, because yeah, that's MMA. I'm not really in tune to, but you know, I recognize it and and yeah. and hear about it. But that's something that uh, that's that, a heck of you know, a sport. It's always good to be be uh, be historic about to be in tune to. So, but but on a professional level, John. Did you ever try to think about going professional when you played that? Uh, I was on at that university. I was on that path to going professional. Um, I've, I've spoken about this uh, on my podcast before, uh, but I quit after my second year. Um, just to put a little bit of my family background and family history out there, my parents were having trouble, and they ended up getting divorced. But at that time, in my ignorant, ignorant, and untested uh, young mind, I thought that I could do something <laughs> to help out with that family situation. Right. And it was tearing me up. Um, I tried to talk to my coaches about it. Um, what was it? This was, this, this was um, about halfway through my first year. I tried to talk with my coaches about how my family back home was having trouble. I was real preoccupied with that. My grades weren't what they were supposed to be. My focus on the on the football field wasn't even close to what it was supposed to be. And right. I asked them if I would if I could be allowed to go home. 
Let me go home, work this out somehow. You know, this wasn't in the season. The season was already over. So it just would have been making arrangements for me to keep up academically. But I I felt that that could have been done. And I got no support for my coaches. And I think I made my decision Mm -hmm. then that this isn't going to work. that was there. This, that this just isn't going to work. So I, I hung out uh, for that first year, and then roughly halfway through the second year, I just uh, I couldn't take it, so I quit. Yeah. I walked away from a full yeah. scholarship. Yeah. And um, the interesting thing is, is that when I kind of, like I said, when I approached my coaches and they told me that uh, there's nothing they could do, basically they told me quit being a pussy. In, in very blunt terms, quit being a pussy and man up. Yeah, man up. What do you expect us to do? And to me, the manning up what would have been going back home and just seeing what I could do. You know, I know now as an adult, I can't. That, that's my parents' business. I can't get. Right. I can't get involved in their in their no. uh, uh, divorce. Affair, what what could I do? Right. Yeah. And I wish to God that one of my coaches would have told me that back then. But again, their response was a very blunt, man up, stop being a pussy, there's nothing we can do. Mm-hmm. Now get yeah. out of my office. And that, that was the response I got, basically. Um, it's pretty despicable. Honestly, yeah. that's not the response you yeah. should give. Uh, what was I? An 18, 18, yeah, 18 mm-hmm. year old uh, young man at that point. That's not the response you when I because it took a lot for me to approach uh, my coach and tell him what was going on, tell him how I felt about mm-hmm. it and ask for help in finding a solution. That took a lot for me to do. Yeah. And to get rejected like that, I still feel, I still feel the, the, I feel the sting of that still today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you know, and I, and I was on the track to be in, uh, to be in something in football. I was no joke. You know, I, I, uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, so, but, but, and and I turned my back on all of that because I didn't have the proper, yeah, I'll say it. I'll blame it. I'll, I'll put some blame, of course, on myself. I'll put most of the blame on myself for being so immature as to where I thought that I could help a situation that I couldn't help. But I put also some blame on the guidance or the lack of guidance from my coaches. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you think the the mindset, right? It's, it's every player has a certain mindset where you have to be mentally and physically there with it a hundred percent. And if there's problems, you yes. know, that personal problems that, that are at home or with each individual player, yeah. you know, coaches, yeah. they're like advisors, right? Coaches are supposed to be like the, the, the parent, the, the second parent that should exactly. help out. It, at and I just any, didn't get at that. Any level, and I just level, didn't get man. that guidance at all. Yeah. And it's a shame. Yeah. Uh, and my <laughs> Snoopy jokes with me all about it. Yeah, yeah, dummy. We could have so much more money now if you would. have. <laughs> 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 just one season. Just one season as a pro. That's all I needed. She said. <laughs> but, but you know, and it, uh, and I don't, I don't like to go back and say shoulda, woulda, coulda. No, uh, and no. and when I look at where I am now, I mean I've been yeah. blessed. I've been blessed a thousand times over, no uh, and everything is going well. But I, I I will say this: looking at what I've been able to to do with my powerlifting, which is another display of a different type of mm-hmm. athleticism, mm-hmm. and looking up uh, at my progress at that time back then yeah. as a, as a football player, if I would have stuck it out, mm-hmm. I do believe that there's a strong possibility that I would have had some level of 
success as a professional. I was, I was pretty good. And, and the thing is, is what I was going to say is what, what, I, what happened is, is when I got that stiff arm from my coaches and I pretty much made up my mind immediately that I was, yeah. that I was not going to, I wasn't going to last at that university. I was going to give you, up that scholarship. Right. That's mm-hmm. when my training and my performance really kicked up. Kicked in. Oh, kicked man, in, because yeah. then I was like, okay, you know, I'm mm-hmm. going to show them. I'm really going to show them that they're not only going to lose a scholarship athlete, but they're going to lose mm-hmm. a scholarship athlete that could have done something for this team. You know, right. uh, you know, red shirt program, and I would have come mm-hmm. out of that and and, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm going to I'm going to show them now, and I did. Yeah, you know, true. you know, my performance, you know, uh, both off season training and, and training during the season was was off the charts because I was mad and I had something to prove now. That's right. Yeah, chip, chip on the shoulder. Chip as, on the shoulder. <laughs> yeah, chip on the shoulder. Yeah, I, for for me, playing in Florida State after I graduated, before I graduated, actually, I'm sorry, I I tore my ACL Did my you? senior oh, year wow. playing playing with uh, Florida State. So that I think that was my uh, decision after I tore my ACL was not to continue uh, with playing football. Wow. Um, that's a terrible the, injury. Coming back from it is never hundred percent. You know, even mm-hmm. having the best, uh, the best cert, the best um, yeah, rehabilitation, sur- yeah. and the best surgeon to I've perform seen, the surgery. I've seen powerlifters. I've seen powerlifters come back from uh, a torn ACL, but that's a different movement. But you know, as a football yeah, player, and you've got all that lateral movement and stuff. Right. You're pretty much up done. and down, left and right. It's, it's it's different. So, so I mean, I graduated. You know, went down a different avenue and. You know, and they continue living in Tallahassee and putting a little bit of my personal uh, history out there. Uh, after I graduated from university, I stayed, continued living in Tallahassee, Florida, and uh, became employed with a nutrition company, uh, working as operations warehouse manager. And uh, while working for that company, <clears throat> that year is 2001, 2002, and um, that was the year my father, uh, obviously he passed away in 2000. So I remember like yesterday, that morning where I got the call from my, before I went into work, I got a call from my brother and that morning. And, um, he said that, Hey man, dad, it collapsed and uh, we don't know what happened. So I'm just wanted to give you a call and let you know what's going on. So I said, okay, I hope everything is okay. So um, man, I told rough. him to give me a call back. That's so a rough message he, to get. He, absolutely. He called me back like five minutes. If I can remember five, 10 minutes after we talked. And he said, Dad didn't make it. Oh, man. Dad, uh, had, Dad had a heart attack. So um, that right there, John, I was 25 years old. And uh, that that really changed. I didn't know it at the time, but now I, I realize that that changed my life. Absolutely. Uh, to, to lose my father at a young age. Um, he was 66 years old. He was a police, uh, police officer in the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office for 40-plus years. And that year, he was going to retire. Oh man! Um, on in November, so so of that of that year when he passed on, he he passed away on the the day before my twenty fifth birthday. I'm sorry. Okay. So it was November eighth, two thousand two, when he passed on to the afterlife. So that after that happened, man, I tell you, it was it was a different movement in a different yeah. moment for me and my family, you know, and I, 
I remember like I still remember like yesterday all the 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 little moments of driving from Tallahassee to to, to Jacksonville to to reconcile with my my family um, when he passed on. So it was it was a tough moment because it's like when I arrived it was a tunnel that I was focused on getting to my mother and on the outside of it was his, all his colleagues of police officers being there. So yeah. as I had approached her, we you know we embraced. And it was it was a changing moment for for me personally and, uh, and also my mom. My mom was a, a former school teacher. She retired in 2005. She worked for Lake Forest Elementary School. She she uh, she taught third grade. So um, not having her her better half or her confidant in her life at that time it was it was quite an experience. Uh, but but. You know, over the years, we all lose. We're, we're in life. We're not. Not everyone is designed to live forever. Yeah. So that's something that every year I try to tell my boys that you know we're not not designed to live forever. And you know, from my 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 point of view, your grandfather he looks over you every step of the way, spiritually. You know, he's he's there. So he he's watching down. I can identify you with as that. You, Right, as you continue to grow and develop. Yes. So, so me, after I finished the uh, university playing for them and, and, and graduated, I, I, I went down a different avenue. You know, I, I, I still love watching American football. Oh, yeah, and, absolutely. And um, I have, you know, footballs here, and, you know, we try to catch around and play with all the time, me and the boys, and I always wait for the, for the NFL season to come around to, uh, to watch it. So, so going forward... I, I do miss the sport, but you know, I always tied into life of having apparel and and uh, uh, memorabilia yeah, around to yeah. always remind me of where I came from. And yeah. if my if our sons would like to partake of that in the future, then they're more than willing to do that as well. So, um, yeah, I, I miss my father. Um, very what much. a loss! His name was Wilbert, what a loss! Wilbert Wigan, Wilbert Wigan Senior. He was sixty-six when he passed on. So Wilbert so, Wigan uh, Senior. May he rest Wilbert in peace. Wiggins, Wilbert Wigan Senior. A little history. My 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 sister name is Dolores Evangelina Wiggins. My mom is Dolores Chandler Wiggins. My brother is Wilbert Wiggins Junior. So is you know we're the Wiggins man. We're the Wiggins family. The Wiggins Wiggins clan. <laughs> so it, it's um, reunions are always it's always a blessing to, to rekindle and, and visit my family whenever the time is right. When's, when's the last time you were home? Two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. So hopefully this year we'll be able to make it. Um, I have been hundred percent vaccinated. Have you? Um, good, my wife, good. Now my wife, she's getting her first shot uh, next week. And, but here's the thing, man. Now I've, I've, I've been informed that the vaccination passports or certificates, is not uh, accept acceptable traveling outside of the country at the moment. Yeah, isn't that strange? It is strange. It is strange. <sighs> so I don't know how the government's going to going to open it, lift that up, because uh, our country is green at the moment. Yeah, you know, I I, I get my second vac vaccine uh, on the twenty second. Snoopy's had hers. Um, yeah. There's still no sign of the kids getting it anytime soon. Um, mm -hmm. But I, you know, I guess I've kind of just taken a deep breath, let it out. And I'm, I've just thrown away any thoughts of getting back home this year. Uh, yeah. I'm terribly homesick. I, I want to go home. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but but it's, it's that balance that you that you miss, right? Well, it, it completes yeah. you. Yeah, it completes you. I'm finding out more and more often. You know, I, I said earlier, I have a lot of telephone contact with my sister and my mother, and I'm finding out that um, while I always enjoy the conversations with them, I I feel like a mini depression <laughs> when I hang up with them. Yeah. And that just tells me that the homesickness is growing. And the cure for that yeah. is just to get back home, and then I'll be fine. But yeah. uh, but uh, I I need to go home. But it's just it's not. I don't. I just can't see it happening now. With, with well, corona. you have to. In my opinion, you have to kind of keep keep pounding that uh, that wall of acceptance of saying, okay, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But you you should That's always try to encourage yourself to say, okay. I think it can happen, um, and and hope and hopefully it will happen, so that way I can see see family in person. Because yeah. that's that's my goal is is to is to uh, travel to uh, to be with my family for Christmas, right? And well, yeah. and, and 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 also have the kids with me. So my wife said, "Well, if all goes the way that it is, you can just travel by yourself." You know, I did that once before. I've done that twice. Total, Last time yeah. was in 2019. I went by myself. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And it's fun, and but I miss something. I want the right. Yeah, you know, right. you want to show the off the gang, kids. The whole gang is not there, right? Yeah, it's you want to show there. off the kids. You want your wife to experience right. part of your home, home life from before, and all that Again. stuff. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So it, so it's, it's quite, it's quite different when all the family is not together, traveling together. Yeah, you know, you do as a father, you do have peace of mind. Say, oh, okay, I don't have to buy this. <laughs> oh, we don't have to get, we don't have to get the bigger vehicle this time. Because I gotta oh, tell you, I gotta tell you, Snoopy would drive me crazy with her shopping. <laughs> She she's like a child. If if a two year old were to get a uh, all expenses paid trip to the North Pole to Santa Claus's workshop, that's what Snoopy is like every time we're in the states and she's gonna go shopping with the big eyes and looking around with the shelves and no everything. Doubt, man. It drives like me nuts. The glitz and the glamour shop. My wife is like that too, but she, you know, she's lived in the states once before, and she's been there several times. Yeah. So Snoopy you know, she, she's Snoopy quite time. humble with the experience, yeah. right? So. Yeah. So shopping is not like okay, I give you the card, you go splurge. It's not that kind of thing, you know. We're very. Um, she just about proactive. killed me. She just about ruined our relationship. <laughs> I joke with her about this all the time. When uh, when the first time the first time we got to hang out uh, after we started dating, this was before we were married. Yeah. So this was like in two thousand and maybe in two thousand something like that. How long and you guys been married? Since two thousand and one. Okay. So we lived uh, we lived in the states for about eighteen months before we moved here after we got married. Yeah. But uh, uh, so we were visiting some friends uh, that she had up in Minnesota, uh, the Mall of America. We went uh, yeah, we, we went to the yeah. mall Under, of, underground underground. We, yeah. we went to the Mall of America, and she spent like I, I don't know I don't want to exaggerate, but it was over it was it was over a thousand dollars. And it was oh, wow. all and it was yeah. all on my credit card. I'm like, what is this in woman? One day. In, in one day, in one day, yeah. in one day, yeah. Wiley. She did it in one day. I got a picture of her, an old picture of her. She was wearing um, this outfit, and she had this hat that she bought, and she had like four or five big garbage bag-looking bags of (laughs) stuff that she bought. I'm like, is this woman that expensive? No, but I I tease her about that, and and it wasn't all my money. But the the woman knows how to shop. It's all good, man. Well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well you know you want you want to get you know, uh, how's the saying go john every time happy wife happy, happy life, life. you know but also 
happy husband. She gets some loving. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but isn't it? Here's here's one thing. Um, I, I got in contact with a friend, uh, a high school friend. This other this other girl that I knew in high school. This is back in yeah. 2012, 2013, the early days of Facebook. Okay. And she's, yeah. you know, and part of getting back together and she, she finds out I live here in Norway and I'm married with Snoop. And she says, oh, I always knew you would marry a white girl. And I, wrote, oh. I wrote, but listen, I wrote back. I said, I didn't marry a white girl. I married a Norwegian woman. There you go. Difference. Right. Difference. Difference. Yes, and, wouldn't, and wouldn't you say that in all seriousness, seriousness, Norwegian women are different than American women. It's very subtle. Yeah, they are. And I'm not saying better or worse. You know, I'm not trying to mm. diss American women, mm. but Norwegian mm. women are mm. different. There's a certain spunk, a certain. Yeah, there's 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 a different perk there as yeah. well. You know, I'm with, with my wife, you know, she lived in the state. She had a project there been there several times. Her family's traveled to, you know, different countries and also to the state several times. So well-rounded, yes. right? And, and the culture factor, the perspective. There's a you know, worldliness totally, that, that's right. present in open, most of them. Yeah. Correct. Open, open, the level of openness. So, yeah. you know, I, I hit, I hit the mark on mine, you know, I had the ball out of the park, I should I say, you know, I mean, we, I met my wife in 2005 so, you know, and we, I lived in New York at the time, you know, I, a little bit of history on my behalf, where I graduated from university, after I graduated from New York University, <clears throat> then I relocated to, um, to new, no, I'm sorry, not high school, um, I'm backwards here, from, from university, I'm sorry, not high school, graduated from university, then at some point I relocated up to New York. Yeah. And uh, lived uh, lived up to New York uh, for for a short minute, a short minute, a hot minute. And uh, while living in New York, not university, high school. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so 2000, 2005. So yeah. as I lived in New York and worked there, lived there, I came across my wife, and I was working at Social Bar and Lounge. Okay. And uh, working as a bouncer there too in security. So, and I met her, she was speaking English at the time, right? And I said, okay, what's your name? No, my name's Higgy. And, you know, kind of hit out, Higgy, that's not a American name. So I'm like, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Norway. I said, Norway? Oh, wow, shucks, that's, that's different. So what, what brought you here to America? You know, because this is how we get that here in Norway. Oh, right. what brought you here what to Norway? You here to Norway? Yeah. <laughs> so, so we met and uh, she was visiting uh, New York with friends from Peoria, Illinois. At uh, she worked for a printing press company, and uh, she had a, 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 a installation job in Peoria, Illinois, at the Journal Star. And um, and when we met, it was like one of those moments where okay, maybe I need to continue talking with okay. this woman. She seems quite interested. She's she's a foreigner. Yeah. You know, so we uh, exchanged numbers. Uh, long story short, we continued talking with each other. She said, I'm here for a short period of time, a couple of days, and traveling back to Peoria and then eventually going back to uh, to Germany and, uh, yeah, where she lives at, where she lived at. So um, long story short, we developed a long-distance relationship okay, and yeah. um, maintained communication with each other uh, via at that time, it was Skype and uh, communicating on cell phone, doing video chats. And, you know, we developed a 
online relationship and visit each other here and there. Uh, so yeah, man, we hit it off and that long distance relationship just became a short distance relationship where we, 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 we formed a bond. And, and at some point I decided to give up everything I was doing in uh, in the States and in New York and I moved over to Norway. Was it kind of, did it come uh, as a surprise to you that you actually took that step or did it leap of faith? Yeah. yeah. At the time I was, I was, I don't know. I I was, I was uh, besides myself, I guess, you know, because at the time I was love struck where I, I guess I, I knew I was meeting, I met the woman of my dreams. Yeah. Right. I was living, I was living the dream and met the woman of my dream of my dream. So I took the leap of faith, man. And I, and I, decided to live with this woman and I didn't care about, you know, how I provide for myself at that time. You know, the thought was there. I was like, okay, shit, I'm going to make the I'm gonna make money here. Okay, love is there. Ocean is there. She's a foreigner. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do it. So isn't it you know, something though? Isn't it something though? How, when you meet that one and you know, you know, mm-hmm. everybody's been in love you before, but when you meet that one, you know, okay, I've been in love before right. but this is different and then it can actually right. lead to you taking such a dramatic leap of faith correct yeah correct because because i at that time i i kind of had an understanding that this meant something because spiritually it's i don't know it's kind of weird man because after my father passed on when i was at a, at a young age it just kind of opened up this kind of telepathical uh wavelength of thought process of being in more fine tuned with life. Yes. Right. Cause, cause those kind of things, when you lose someone as close to you or someone and you, and you lose it at a certain age that somehow messes with, um, your spirit, this, your spirituality. Well, yeah. You find yourself searching for a way to fill that spiritual gap that now is there right. because that person of influence is gone. Right. Right. Correct. So it and, opens and you up. You, it opens you up to those signals about what's right for you and what isn't. Yeah. Totally. And I was blown away with that as I'm, as I came to of realizing that those moments where I was, I knew what I had to do. I knew what was going on in life. And I knew yeah. that meeting this person, meeting her was the right thing yeah. to do and to go for it. At that time, she, she didn't know. She probably thought, okay, this is just probably a guy that, you know, just wants to get to know me or, or, you know, like a one night Band kind of thing, but it, it, it didn't turn out to be that way. Yeah. I mean, like now, what, 15 years later, you know, this is looking back on the, it, it, it was the perfect choice, you know, yeah. and, and I love the fact that I took that leap of faith of giving up everything that I had going for me and um, going with the woman of my dreams that I've been so you uh, still, married to for. You still feel the blessing of that then? I do. I, I still feel the blessing. And, and I think I, I have no regrets of giving up everything I was doing in the States to move no, overseas, no. To, to live the life, to live the life that I'm living at now, being happily, happily married. Yeah. Um, having beautiful two kids. beautiful kids. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? In in a beautiful, in a beautiful country, don't get me wrong. Norway is, is, is not a negative place where no. some people think that it is. There are some right? negative aspects to it, but all in all, this is yeah. a wonderful place to live. Totally. Uh, it's and, and totally. like I say that for me, the adventure of living here is still there. 19 mm. years later, I mm. still, mm. I still feel like I'm in the middle of an adventure. So there's a lot yeah. to be said for that. But, the, yeah. but these women. Like, uh, and, like, and, like, 
and like a little fairy tale as well. Say, oh, there's no way. It's, it, I got asked the question once. There's no way. There's no way like Disney World over there. <laughs> I say, man, it, it's quite amusing. You know, there's. It, it feels like you're in a park all the time, yeah. and <laughs> and you go to concession stand to get whatever that you want to get. But they, but at the end of the day, you know, the the amusement park was is always open 24 hours. So yeah, in a kind of way, it's it's a uh, it's a land of a great opportunity, you know. But there's some negativity there. I think still, Norway. All in all, I think Norway mm-hmm. brings things out of us. I'm sure you can agree with this. Norway probably brought something out of you that wouldn't have been mm-hmm. brought out if you hadn't come here. Uh, you know, for for, for for guys like us, you know, we're, we're we have our accomplishments already. We have our mm-hmm. standards already, and then when we rip ourselves up from that and then come here to Norway, we want to maintain and or build upon whatever foundation we created in the States. So there's motivation from day one. Correct. Correct. But it's, but it's amplified because we are in a situation, like you said, that those thoughts about, well, you know, where am I going to get my money from now? Right. That is a very motivating factor for a person who has the tools to do something with it. Totally. So it pushes totally. you, it I, pushes I, you into overdrive in, in a sense that you probably wouldn't experience if you had stayed home. That's that's the way it was for me anyway. I agree. And and you know, moving here, my my wife, you know, her personal contacts and you know, old high school friends that she went to 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 high school with. You know, when we came over here, it's like, okay, man, friends. <laughs> how am I going to meet people? Yes. Are there any other Americans living here? Yeah. You know, and it's like you don't you don't know that until you find out and do this, like a lot of Americans that live here in this country. So in where we were, where we're living at now, one of my wife's uh, high school friends that she went with, Rebecca uh, Bedland, she, she's married to a Norwegian guy, Reggie Tom, Reginald, Reginald Thomas. And him, me and Reggie, Reggie and I are close friends. I don't know if you met Reggie yet, but me just, and Reggie, just Reggie online and I are really a little close. bit. He's actually been yeah. someone who I want to contact to have on a, yeah, for a conversation. Here. I think yeah. I'm going to pay it for, I'm going to pay it forward after it's in pay it forward. And you should get out and get in contact with Reggie and Reggie needs to, uh, to be a part of your program as well. I think he would love to talk to you yeah. and, uh, and be a part of your, of your success. He seems like an so, interesting uh, guy. I met Reggie. We, we've been, we put, we got put in contact with each other through our wives. And, and I remember the first time I met Reggie, man, Reggie, was working with ESS, uh, International School of um, International School of Stavanger, and um, and he came up in his truck, man, his van, and I saw this tall, this this black guy, and a brother, a brother, you know, in the in the van, politically speaking, sorry, and uh, I said, that must be Reg, right? I walked up, I said, hey, man, where's it? And it's like we hit it off like right away. It's like, okay, yeah. this is another brother you know, from the States. And it's like, okay, dude, right, when we embrace, like with the handshake and the hug, it's like our friendship started right there. You're going to make me start crying, man, because that is the kind of stuff that I, I, it, it's so hard to put words on in a way that people will understand. Some people get offended when I say this, but, but I mean, we have our swing, we have our swagger, we have our way yeah. of saying things. And I'm talking about we who are black Americans. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that is an aspect of my homesickness that I really feel. Mm-hmm. And that's a big reason why I asked you to come on just to just the mm-hmm. opportunity, you know, and I've had Dwayne, Dwayne Moorhead. I don't know if you know him, mm-hmm. another black yeah. American here. Um, uh, there's some black, black American women I've had on and mm-hmm. it's 
you know, above and beyond the blackness has always been something about you people who, who interest me. I, I want, I want to talk to people who I'm interested in, but to, to just mm. to have the opportunity, even though it's mm. long distance like this by video to speak with another black mm. American, it lifts yeah. me up. It brings me forward. Yeah. It, and, and I'm happy to, and I'm thrilled uh, to be a part of that process. Dwayne, actually, I was, when we, a few months, a few years ago, this was at a Kevin Hart. I don't know if Dwayne's listening, listening, but he probably will be. But uh, at this, uh, at Kevin Hart, <laughs> Kevin Hart was here. He came to Norway in Oslo, and he was on stage doing his stand-up act. And Dwayne was there, but I didn't get a chance to to meet Dwayne at the time because he said, I'm, I, "I wrote on my status, I'm at my Ball Hall Arena, and I'm watching the Kevin Hart thing." And Dwayne came up. He said, "I'm here too. Where are you sitting at?" So at the time, we couldn't move around, man, because right. the security's like security. You can't move. You got to stay where you are. You can't go to different locations. So, okay. But long story short, Dwayne was there. So I didn't, I didn't get a chance to meet Dwayne at that time. But, you know, when you get a chance, John, to meet other uh, people of color, you know, here in Norway and see where they come from, their personal history, where their background, and that, that ties into making everything much complete for yes, you absolutely. Uh, as a person, right? And I'm just, you know, saying it for you. For me, it's the same way because the more people I meet, the better my yeah, personality becomes and I get more wiser, you know, every course of the year. But it's still fulfilling. But the only thing that I miss in this whole equation that sometimes it, it gets me a little bit depressed too, uh, a little bit anxiety as well is, is not having my, my nuclear family experiencing the same feelings that I experience every day in and day out. Right. It's like, Expl I, explain I hit that. that wall. I hit, I hit the wall, man. When I was working, I was working with Halliburton. I hit the wall one year, a few years ago where depression and anxiety hit me. Right. And I didn't know how to deal with it. Right. So I, I just hit a wall and, and I just got into this deep state of, depression where I didn't know how to get out of it. And my body just shut down. My mind went to a different dimension. Right. And I didn't know how to deal with it. I was, I was so emotional and, and didn't know how, what to do because I didn't know if I was going to be able to travel yeah. back home at some point. I don't know how my life was going to turn out to be. I miss my mom, miss my sister, my brother. And of course I have people that my immediate family, my kids and my wife here, but that's the port valve of saying the distance is setting yeah, in, yeah. kicking in, and I don't know how to handle it. So I, I, I seek help, you know. And uh, uh, how long ago was this? This was around 2014, 2015. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Somewhere around this was before I had my my uh, arterial fibrillation as well because I was hospitalized with that. Whoa. So this was, this wow, was man! I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's another thing, yeah. but. But the depression hit me, man, and I got so depressed to the point where, you know, the thoughts was there with anxiety and depression of, you know, suicidal every now and then. I'm like, okay, should I try to take take my life or at this point? No, uh, I'm, it was so confusing. It was cloudy at the time, and, and I'm really glad, and, and I would say not glad, but more fortunate and happy that I sought help, I seeked help. I got professional help and, um, yeah, got, I've got put on medication at that time, um, that I was in a depressive state. So, um, I would, I would say anybody that's battling depression, you, you, you have these thoughts, you have to seek help. 
And that's something that uh, people that you take when you stop doing your normal day-to-day activities or being in a certain location where you are not in and you are com- you're not in your comfort zone yeah. and you're taken out of that comfort yeah. zone and you miss home, you get homesick all the time yeah. and you get depressed, you have anxiety, you have to seek the help. Because if you don't seek the help, if you don't have people in their corner to help, it will lead you to a negative dimension where you will never be able to get back. I got to say amen. And I got to tell you, Wiley, I love you even more now. I think that first first of all, most men aren't going to be that open about their struggles with, with their mental health, with depression and anxiety. Most men are not going to speak on it. But for those men who do speak on it, it needs to be known that that is a great service. For other men, I know there's somebody listening or watching right now. There's another dude out there who's, who is depressed, who has anxiety, who maybe not, maybe they don't value their life the way they should. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that you say that, Wiley, is helping somebody. Guaranteed. Yeah. Guaranteed. I've been I've made it my business to be very open about how I've been depressed. You know, I lost my son in November of 2019, heroin overdose, and it crushed me. And I have yet to rise up from that. And I tell people that and I'm open about it. And it helps me to be open about it because it would be harder to hide it. Because my friends, people who know me will certainly see a change in me. And if I just hold it all inside, I'm going to start losing friends. They're going to think it's something against them. So it benefits me to speak out about it because that opens the door for unexpected help to come in. As a personal question, do you find it therapeutic to handle it on your own terms rather than having professional I've tried at the moment. I have no professional guidance. I tried that though. And it just didn't work. Um, That's probably going back again to share another piece of my own background. That's probably going back to my childhood and having a very authoritarian uh, uh, father to where I got conditioned to just, you know, it kind of goes, it kind of, there's a thread here and growing up with an authoritarian father who wasn't very receptive to any kind of communication on a, on a, on a heartfelt level. And then being met the way I was met by my football coaches in a moment of crisis where I needed help. And now to this, this period after I lost my son, trying to communicate with someone on a professional level who as far as I know, because of their professional capacity was willing to hear me, but I didn't feel comfortable speaking with them because of that prior conditioning. Right. So I'm in a position now where, um, the therapeutic effect is coming from my podcast. Um, I don't know if I've told you this before. I've said it on other episodes. The whole reason for this podcast is for me to find a way up and out of depression and that feeling of loss for my son uh snoopy as much as i tease god bless that woman because it was her who pushed me into starting this podcast she had been after me for quite some time to try and get into radio or podcasting and and she came with the idea uh and we talked about it where this podcast can be 
an avenue for me to reach out to people who I think I can learn something from. People who motivate me, people who might say something to give me a new purpose, which would then lift me out of being depressed over the loss of my son. So that's the whole purpose of this podcast. And not only that, it's the the grieving yes. part, the grieving portion of it as well, because it's this the, your podcast. Every person that uh, you encounter and you have as a guest that you get to know and their personal history, their background, yeah. that yeah. should, it's kind of like, it, it, it's creating more headspace, positive headspace Absolutely. for you. Absolutely. You, you, to, yeah, you sharing that part of your background about you being mm-hmm. uh, uh, a survivor of a moment of, mm-hmm. of, 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 of deeper depression over a period of time. Yeah. That right there. It, it was there. Yeah, and it was, that it right was, there is therapeutic for me to hear. It was there, John. I mean, I, I to be honest with you, I thought about, and that, at one point, I thought about taking my life as well, you know, in the shower. It was like one of those things I expressed to my wife, you know, shower cord going right wrapped around the neck. Yeah. But, you know, it was it was tough because uh, it was tough for her. But at the moment with me, I was battling this uh, this mental thing, the yeah. mental health thing where I was just trapped and I didn't know I could get out of it. So uh, I was very fortunate to to seek the help and sit, to sit down and talk to someone and to seek professional help that uh, of that mental standpoint that I was going through at that state. Cause it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a disease, right? You know, it and, is, yeah. and, and if you cannot battle it and approach it and get professional, professional help for it, it will eat you up. You know, it's just like, I mean, we're, we're battling a virus now. Right. And yeah. this is a, something that health happens with our health. Mental health is the same, almost the same kind of disease where it battles your, 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 your brain activity, right? So it's not a virus, but it's a disease and it affects your health. So any, in everything that we do where, where we have, where we, where we try to increase our positive thinking, positive health, where there is this exercising of being in the right place at the right time, having positive people surrounding people that's, that's, that we can have in our lives to, to yeah. change for the better yeah. that makes it even much better. But the, the, the key focal thing is when it comes to the homesickness part, since we're here is to mentally think that it will be okay at some point because they're, they are there and, and they accept the fact that we are where we are. Right. Yeah. I mean, I got asked the question when I visited my mom by myself and the family was here how long you guys going to live in Norway? You know, I miss my grandkids and, you know, Higgy's mother and father have the best of both worlds over there. I said, you know, that was tough to hear. And, you know, that anxiety kind of build up, you know, a little bit to the mind that hypothalamus, it goes up in that depression. It's like, okay, don't put me there, mom. Don't put me there because I, I've been there and I had to battle that depression. She knows, she, she knows what I had, what I went through. Yeah. You know, so so every person that that's listening to your podcast, if you if you guys are out there, right, battling something that's there in your life where you don't know how to get out of, and and you're just hitting that wall, and you're depressed, and you're homesick, find different avenues of Amen. of uh, of how you can deal with it. If it's professionally, if you can't afford it, seek help from the state, social services, to where they can help you guys get to where you need to be mentally positive and, yeah. and physically positive because mental health, it, it, you need to be 
and you need to be positive going forward if you have a family here. And don't and try to family. don't try to tackle it on your own. Like you said, you the key can. word is you've got to find help. And there's Seek so help. many there's so many Seek avenues help. that you can take advantage mm. of, especially here in Norway, because you don't have to worry about the cost of it to for for right. the most part. And 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 what's even tougher challenge is battling the pandemic and battling mental health at the same time. That's an even more difficult process because I have I have I have not met anyone yet that's battling both where, you know, for example, their fam some of their family members have been <clears throat> that passed on due to the pandemic or with the virus and also in addition to battling depression. So we don't know how some of these people, John, have encountered where they lost loved ones. Yes. And also battling depression at the same token. So I think there's a lot of people out there suffering very, very quietly. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I'll, cha- I'll put another challenge out there. You challenge people to, to, to reach out and get help. I also challenge people to open their eyes and look around. Look at your family members mm-hmm. and friends. You probably are going to come across somebody who's suffering silently. And maybe if you approach them and tell them what you see and ask them a couple of questions, it might Mm -hmm. motivate that person to get some help Mm -hmm. where they Mm -hmm. have been suffering silently and alone before. Correct. Correct. And you, and you won't know, I mean, one of my good friends, you know, he's, he kind of, he hit that wall as well. And he reached out to me and he asked me, how did I do it? You know, and I helped him as well by, pointing him into the right direction of where he needs to go and That's also continue, continue to talking, continue to talk, continue to, to continue to talk and uh, surround beautiful. yourself with po- positive, positive energy. So it, it's a challenge, but it's up to the individual as well, John, to, sure, to want to sure. accept it, to, to realize that they, uh, they are battling something that they, they have never um, battled before in their life. So, so, it's so not going easy. forward, hmm, so going forward, everyone of, your listeners that's out there, you guys, if you're, if you're battling it, uh, seek help. It'll, it'll go a long way. Such a beautiful statement, man. You, I, I knew you were a loving brother. I could tell. And, 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 it's, mm-hmm. and it comes out when you, when you share your own story about depression. And it comes out when you share uh, uh, your suggestion for how people can handle it. And it comes out when you talk about how you helped your friend and you pointed them in the right direction. And this is what mm-hmm. we need more of. Um, we do. It's so easy to just hold that stuff in. It's so easy. You know, I know it's happened uh, to all of us where we get a little suspicion that a friend or a family member isn't doing well. And we're Mm -hmm. like, ah, you know, they'll be all right. Or they have Mm -hmm. other people to help. You know what? I challenge people. If you have that thought, if you have that inkling that somebody Mm -hmm. needs some help, just help them. Just reach out to them. And they may tell you to go get lost or they may tell you everything's fine. And you have to take their word Mm -hmm. for it if that's what they say. Mm -hmm. But but make that effort to reach out and Mm -hmm. see what you can do for somebody. Mm-hmm. And the biggest challenge is you, there's only there's only so much help that you can give someone because you have your own personal personal things that you that that you do because it's it's that energy right yeah it's like you you can devote so much time and energy into someone or into something where it's like you get so drained from it it's like okay I have to take a step back from that there comes a point and yeah. then get it back you know get yeah. that energy yeah. back so 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 you personally. If you battle that and going forward and you witness someone else that's going through that challenge, don't put all of yourself out there because it will drain the energy out of you. You have to pace too. yourself. Yeah. Right. Right. So there's this again. So there's only so much that the, of yeah. a, of a, 
yeah. a way that you can help someone, yeah. but you can you can set the set the tone for that particular individual, man or woman, to to I, yeah. to find their path. You of, can set the table. The tool. Yeah, you can set the mm. table, but you can't force anybody to sit down and eat. But you That's can set right. the table for them. Yeah. That's it. Absolutely, in a nutshell. So, so again, I, I'm 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 very um, relieved and and happy where I am now mentally That's and physically because you know it was a challenge, right? And and um, just going forward of of realizing that I was in that state and looking back on it of damn, I was there, right? Yeah. So so now but that's every, empowering, every time, isn't it? That's empowering, it is empowering. isn't it? You've it's, been it is there. Empowering. You've been there, but now here you right. are. There's some strength right. in that. There's some growth in that. You look, yeah, I look back on it and I realize that, that oh, man, I, I can't believe that I went through that, right? I went through that, that phase. So it's, it's a different phase. And I'm, I'm 43 now, so yeah. I'll be 44 in November. <clears throat> so, you know, my, my key focal point now is to now focusing on health. Yeah. You know, and, and a little bit of a personal thing. Me and my wife, we we're going we're going through this diet, man. This uh this Yeah, you told me about that. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I told you about that. You're so not you're not you're not grilling you're not like grilling tomatoes and stuff like that now. Oh, you still grilling <laughs> Hell no, no, no. I, I'm still grilling the same meats that I love, right? And uh eating well now that the four week challenge is, is over, it's more cautious of the intake, right? It's being wise of how do I say? It? What's the uh, the term? Choose your carbs wisely, right? Yes. Um, of what you're intaking, and also minimize the sugar intake. You know, because we as we get older, you know, especially as black males, you know, yes. heart disease, high yes. blood pressure, it's a killer. You know, so it's it's good to be in tune with what you're ingesting into your diet. You know, I, I lost quite a bit from the from the spare tire that I had of going around my waist. You know, so uh, minimizing the sugar intake is I tell you, very key. That will do a lot alone. That alone will do a lot. Mm -hmm. Just watching your carbs mm -hmm. and, and cutting out the extra sugar. Um, totally, I got real totally. motivated. I got really, really motivated. to. You know, my, my whole thing is I've had all these shoulder surgeries and I had an unexpected neck surgery now in, uh, what was that, in, in March. So it's really been cutting into my, uh, my, tra my, my training. I'm sorry, say again. My eating habits to a certain extent, but in, but in a large degree, my training habits, you know, I, I haven't right. been able to power lift the way I want to, yeah. which of course, yeah. then when I don't eat properly, I'm going to feel yeah. that improper eating even more mm -hmm. because I'm mm -hmm. not training properly. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it really hit home when uh you know you talk about spare tire and all that stuff i saw myself on tv and i'm like who is that guy i gotta i gotta distance myself from that guy so that was what about three three weeks ago but i'll tell yeah. you and so so i saw that on tv about three weeks ago and then it took me a week of of self disgust self-hatred yeah. but for the yeah. last two weeks i've really um i've started exercising as good as I can with these, you know, operations and stuff, but I've really done something with the way I'm eating. And I'd say probably in the last 10 days, 10 to 12 days, I bet I've lost maybe close to 10 kilos mm -hmm. already. Mm -hmm. So, and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm older than you. I'm 52. Right. 
So that helps. You're 52, John. You don't look 52, John. John, you look like you're about 41. That's that's okay? that's that's mama's fault. That's mama's side of the family. There's some pretty pretty people over there. I'm the I'm the ugly duckling, okay? But there's some pretty people on that side of the family. <laughs> John, you know what they say? Black don't crack. Black don't crack. But you know what? That whole age thing. I think that age thing is such a mental. It's more of a mental thing than a physical thing. If you live young, you will feel young, and you will totally, look young. Man. Absolutely. 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 Even even if you do grow gray hairs every, you know, every, here and there, you know, it and I have gray so I, hair. If I let this grow out, you'd see a lot of gray. My 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 goatee is almost entirely white, actually. Here's the thing: I got friend, friends of ours, family friends, right? <laughs> you know, God bless her, Trina. <laughs> Trina, Trina wants me to grow my hair out. She wants me to. She would like for me to they grow an afro. Do. My wife I can't grow because back here is like a moon, right? <laughs> it, it won't go out. You know, it's, the funniest thing is like the movie Coming to America, right? Yeah. When you have, when you have, you know, the guy with the the, the soul glow, you yep. know, and I sent her the picture. So you want me to grow my hair out and put some afro sheen and some kind of soul glow <laughs> spray to make it curly? Yes, I would like to see that. I said, I can't grow my hair like that. I'm 40 plus years old. It won't happen. So you have to accept what you have. You have to have. take what you got. But the bald, right. head is, right. the bald head is a good thing. I mean, it's so maintenance-free. It's, it's, it's so maintenance-free. Because I tried that thing for a while, trying to work a fade yeah. with Norwegian barbers. Yeah. It just wasn't working. Now, now, you know, this is 19 years ago. But now, of course, uh, especially in the cities, you're going to find... Uh, someone who can cut a good fade on a black man. Right. But back then, right. so I'm like, ah, you know, so I just started shaving it off and that, that's, zero, what I'm, that's what I'm going Keeping it zero, with. man. Keeping that's it zero. I'm... Keeping it clean as zero. So, so but not, but it, if you have to have that intervention with yourself, John, I had an intervention with myself. I realized that, okay, I can't lift the world anymore. You know, and now with the pandemic going on, <clears throat> I'm, I got my second shot, but I got to wait at least, what, 10 days for the vaccine to kick in to be fully vaccinated yeah. so that way I can get back into the gym and then do what I can. So now it's just training with a kettlebell at home. So, well, you know, as you're in your 50s, right? I'm in my 40s. So you have a little bit more maturity there, right? So everything is, is for us, we have very good genetics. I wouldn't yes. say we have the perfect genetics. But us as black males, we have very good genetics where we maintain our size. Yes, without absolutely. Without the extra, yes, without the exactly. extra help. Thank you. You know what I mean. So, so a lot of people think that okay, God, he's so big. Are you, are you on something? I had the same thing in university when I was playing ball. It's yeah. like, are you on steroids? No, test me. You know, they did the blood test, your yeah. test. Oh, negative. Oh, there you go. There's there your you go. So now I'm living go. here, you know, so large. It's like I'm. 130 plus kilos or 290 plus pounds it's like oh you must be on something you have to be taking something no it's just good genetics yeah and, so, and also uh, a lot of people don't recognize the work ethic you know right. I, you I, know? I, I, I set the Norwegian unequipped squat record at the age of 50 I saw that. at the age I of 50 that. and uh, mm. online there were so many mm. people here in Norway who were mm. immediately going to the steroid thing and growth hormone and all that stuff I'm like, hey, you know, I train. I, I was on the U.S. national team. I have an obligation. Forget right. about what I feel morally and ethically. Mm -hmm. I have an obligation to the team to train mm -hmm. clean. And anybody right. that wants to test test me can mm -hmm. can, can can do, do so. But do people it. don't recognize the work ethic. What I'm trying to get to is to do what I did at the age of 50 requires extreme focus extreme discipline and some people just can't identify with that 
they can't identify with the discipline and focus that requires that's required to do something like that. They automatically think that you can only do things like that. You can only be you know, as big as Wiley Wiggins if you use something. You can only lift what John lifted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to mm-hmm. have that artificial enhancement. People's mindset automatically goes mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we, we know what know, hard I, work is. We know what hard work is. It, it is. You know, it, it, plus for me at work, I'm going to you know, share a little bit of a secret here. You know, it takes a lot of hard work for me to work every day whenever I get changed into my, into my, uh, my work gear is that I, I put on this uh, this sweatband, man, you know, like this thing to go okay. around yeah. the stomach. You know, it, it's kind of like a girdle, but it's not like a girdle. It's like, you know, to, to lose to lose weight or yeah. to, to to sweat more. Because, yeah. you know, our organs, man, if there's a lot of fat that yes. accumulates around the organs, your belly will expand. That's why that's you have these why, all the time. Your liver will expand. That's called skinny expand. fat. That's skinny fat. That's right. what skinny you know? people can so, still die of with a heart attack because they still have correct. fat around their organs. Correct. So, you know, I'm, 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 I accepted the challenge, you know, with, with, with my wife and it was a four week thing and I saw excellent results from it. In the yeah. beginning, it was tough it because works. my mind, my brain was telling me, Oh, this side is, uh, you need carbs yeah. back here, the side of the brain. Yep. Oh, you need that sugar. Yep. But you know, after you accept the, it's kind of like, I guess the Dr. Atkins diet yes. where you accept the, uh, the diet itself. Yeah and realize what you minimize and minimize those, those strange starches that you don't yeah. need in your diet. Also the sugars as well. So going forward, I'm choosing those carbs wisely. I mean, I admit I had to, I had to have a pizza last night because so you know, so did I. every now and then, you know, you need, you, you do need the sure. carbs, but when you're in the, the, the phase for a particular diet where you want to lose a, a, a certain particular amount of weight or tone up or this, that, and other, you know, you, you have to have an intervention with yourself. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. for, for me personally, I saw the gain for four weeks. So I lost what in four weeks, I lost four kilos, which is okay. about what? Two pounds, two yeah. and a half pounds yeah. in four weeks mm-hmm. by just minimizing the carbs and having less sugar in the diet, staying off those, you know, the, uh, the, 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 how do I say the, the canal bowl? What is that? Uh, cinnamon rolls. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Laying off those as yeah. well. So, but it, it, it's up to you as the individual have the intervention with yourself. And that's you what know, it takes. It, it, yeah. And for right. me, that intervention right. was seeing that on TV. Like I said, I'm, you know, am I the guy who is going to be uh, uh, the powerlifting champion or am I going to mm. be that short guy who's too chubby? on TV, which guy am I going to be? So there was, the, there was intervention. And, and like I say, in about 10, 12 days, I've lost, I bet it's at least five kilos. Uh, I'm sorry, at least well, 10, ki- this, 10 kilos right now. Five I pounds. Can say this you know, to go on for, we had this personal conversation, you know, on the phone. And, uh, after I congratulate you and, and, and touch base with you about the, uh, you know, the, the third, third time, your third encounter of being, you know, visual, uh, on Norwegian news here. And that was a beautiful on, gesture you, by you, by the way, that really, I, no. I carry, I carried that phone call with me for a long time. That's one of the sweetest things that anybody's ever done for me to call me. It's all good. Like you man. So you know, thank you. Thank you. The gratitude is there. It, you know, gratitude is paying it forward. No doubt. So, so for you to go forward, I think, you know, that, that right there is going to open more doors to you as we, you know, we talked about it before and to touch base on the Black Lives Matter movement yes. and also racial uh, in, racial injustices that 
you know, black Americans or people of color that are experiencing not only in the States, but globally, yes. you know, based on racial tensions, you know, yeah. for, for you to be recognized living here in Norway of your background, of being a former police officer and experiencing those things, you know, in history, um, and you see yourself now where you are now, it's, it's up to you to make that change of looking better if you want absolutely, to. Right? Absolutely. Because I think now going forward, as we touch base as well, I think they, we're going to see more people here locally are going to see more of you, John. And That's interesting that you say that because things are starting to happen. I have, in the last two weeks, I've appeared on... You know, after that, uh, after that TV uh, uh, portrait that they did, I've I've appeared on what four, four, podcasts or radio programs already just in the last couple of weeks. So things are happening, and I started to think about that. You know, I need to put my and, and this is first and foremost for myself. I need to get my health back. I've had way too many operations and and way too mm-hmm. few years and it's affected my health physically and yeah. mentally and I need to get out of that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the catalyst for me making a change for myself. And then also mm-hmm. in the process of getting exposure like that, I want to also put out a good example because I talk about health a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a health person. I've done what I've done in powerlifting and I'm going to do more in powerlifting and I got to walk the walk. I can't just talk the talk. I got to walk the walk. <laughs> so the catalyst no for the change is there. And, and, and seeing that short chubby guy on TV, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta bury that guy. I gotta bury yeah, him. Well, I think in my, as a personal question, I know you're going through the phase, the phase now with the, you know, with the, the, the rebuilding of your body, rebuilding of your body, <laughs> listen to the mind, listen to the body, yeah. um, <laughs> with, with the surgeries, with operations, do you think that that could be a, a wake, a calling, not a wake up call? but a calling for you to kind of take a step back from the powerlifting, but still be, still be a part of it. Right. See, I'm shaking my head before you even finish with the sentence. I know. Um, I am not, I'm far from finished with powerlifting. Um, First, first of all, and, and this is important for people to know because I think it'll, it'll head off a lot of, and I'm not saying I'm not willing to discuss with you, but a lot of people That's come to me and they'll say straightforward, well, why don't you quit powerlifting? And my mm-hmm. answer to that is my injury, my shoulder injury has nothing to do with powerlifting. And here's mm-hmm. why. Uh, it was when I had traveled home to compete in the American, uh, the, the U.S. National Championships um, in powerlifting. This was in 2016. I went home to do this. And it was my last heavy bench day in preparation for that comp- that powerlifting competition. And some knucklehead at the gym, acting all silly, banged into the bar when I was mm-hmm. benching. I think I had like four, 400 and something pounds on the bar. Yeah. And when he hit that bar, it twisted the living daylights out of my shoulder. And it turns out that that twist was an actual tear in my mm. supraspinatus. So, mm. yeah, it has to do with powerlifting in a sense, but it wasn't powerlifting that injured my freak shoulder. Accident. Freak, freak accident. Freak accident. And my adjustment has been that ever since that that initial injury, I haven't trained bench. Mm. 
I'm done. I'm finished with training bench. Now, of course, in powerlifting, it's a three lift competition, squat, bench, and deadlift. So yep. what I do is I go and I squat records for squat. In other words, the highest squat in every competition, but the smallest bench, because you have to, right. you have to do all three lifts. So what I do is I lift the bar and the two collar pins, which is 25 mm -hmm. kilos, one lift mm -hmm. for bench and I'm done. So mm -hmm. I guess I don't want people to think that I'm a meathead who is trying to train and compete through an injury because I'm not, I'm totally finished with bench and I have been since, since that initial injury. And yeah. every operation that has come since then has been, you know, for, for example, when that supraspinatus was gone, it then put extra stress on my infraspinatus, which is a band of, of tendon that goes around the, the side and to the front. The deltoid? Mm -hmm. uh, under, under the deltoid. Under the in deltoid. The, in the cuff. Okay. Uh but that has become so degenerated because it's been doing the work that the supraspinatus is supposed to have been done. Now my infraspinatus is totally gone. So right. in order to fix that, they took a graft of a, uh, an Achilles tendon and put that in my shoulder to replace those tendons and everything that's gone. The problem now is, is because it's a foreign body of, of, of tissue, I haven't been able to neurologically get in touch with that Achilles tendon. So I don't know what's showing up on the camera, but you see this arm is always, I'm always resting it because I can't lift it. I have no, no, you can't, you can't go, you can't go up uh, can't above do it. shoulder level. Can't do it. Right. You see this? That's the highest I can yeah. go. Really? Yep. That's it. So, I have so no, how, so, yeah. yeah. So how will you be able to like with the, the therapeutic, the, the, the therapeutical standpoint, how will you be able to, thank you. Thank you, hon. You don't have to like go down. You can like stand up and walk by. <laughs> is that the, uh, is that, is that the second, is that the second best wife in Norway right yeah, there? Yeah, no doubt. The second, the second best. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's a podcast moment going, let me sneak around the floor and then go on. <laughs> <laughs> she can come through. This is my wife. Hello, you, hello. Second, second best that's wife that's in Norway. <laughs> thank you, thank you for the water, uh, Halliburton. Oh, uh, there you go, there you go. No, so, so um, you were asking about no, therapeutic. You, yeah, yeah. How, how therapeutically wise? How can you? How are you going to be able to 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 get through this challenge? with the, the, uh, the recuperation of the therapy, the therapy going forward. I've been, uh, f first of all, I'm, I'm very blessed to have a home gym. I have everything I need for my physical therapy and to train powerlifting. When that time comes, I have everything I need here at home. <clears throat> so I'm blessed to have that. I'm also blessed to have a lot of knowledge about, I don't have formal education in physical therapy or, or training methods and stuff like that. I'm not a certified personal trainer, but I have an enormous amount of, of knowledge to the point that um, since Corona has been going on, actually even before Corona, uh, in cooperation with my surgeon, I've had my own physical therapy routine that I've put together myself in cooperation with my surgeon and a physical therapist at the hospital, but I've been doing that therapy here at home by myself. Solid. And, Solid. and as, as 
debilitated as I am with this arm, it is at least to the point where there's still hope. I've been able to train it up so that there's still hope that I can get some function back Mm -hmm. and hopefully less pain. I, I, I can't, it's, it, I can't even put into words how much I hurt constantly. So yeah. the next surgery coming up, I'll have probably two more surgeries, will be to go in and they're going to take a biopsy and see what's happening. Is there some sort of infection in there that's causing okay. the pain? But she's also yeah. going to look around and see what can she do. What can she do to maybe make things less painful and maybe wow. give me a little bit more function? flexibility as well right well the thing yeah what i do now my training routine has a lot of cable work you know that whole thing of doing seated rows you know the cable will then pull that arm forward and ensure Mm -hmm. that even though i can't activate it myself at least it's it's movable Mm -hmm. Now with with the cable cable machine right you had you can you should be able to adjust it like at waist uh, mid mid torso level yeah um, or to where as you have the handle, right? Yes. And going forward with the cable, can you do any lateral movement? I can, with, I can go, I can pull it in like this. As you see, I can come yeah. from an outward position and, and yeah. pull it in. But yeah. now I am trying to, to go outward. Can you see my right arm going out? And I'm yeah. trying to do that with my left arm, but because I have no infraspinatus and because that tendon transfer, I can't activate it neurologically. I cannot you can't do this. activate it. So you can't go nothing, nothing of this matter, right? Can, nothing, now, no movement. Now, now here I'm doing a lateral raise. Right. Here I cannot do that, but I can use my trapezius to bring that arm up somewhat. Right, to bring up but here, you but see, you can't. I got to lean you, to the side if I, you know. So right. basically I have one arm <laughs> that works, basically. Right. So the hope so, is now, as a person, personal, personal question, who washes the right side of your body? I stink. I stink on. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I smell you like some of that. The, hey, not the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, <laughs> but the Johnson and Johnson baby powder. Right. <laughs> Just throw it up. I tell you, I. I, I smell like I smell like roses on the left side, but on the right side, I'm a, I'm on funky ass black man. I'm telling you, <laughs> man. Yeah, is that that's like kind of that's almost like the worst because have I experienced that? You know what I I had tennis elbow, dude. My freak I had a freak moment, man. I'm outside trimming the hedges, right? Using the hedge trimmer electric, and it was a windy day. Stupid of me to do it during a windy day trying to trim the hedges because the hedges are like blowing left to right. So anyhow, I'm holding the hedge trimmer like this in my left arm. Dude, I held it too tight to where that static energy yeah. went to my elbow. Okay. And that caused me to have this tennis elbow. So, dude, I was in excruciating pain yeah. going into the, the weekend. And you know how it is here where, you know, the hospitals, you have to go to the, the, the emergency room, the yeah. back, yada, yeah. yada, yada. Yeah. Oh, get some Paracet, uh, Cetaminophen, and you'll be fine. No, 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 motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, don't work, it don't work that way. So long story short with that, man, I made an appointment to my doctor and I had to get this uh, cortisone shot. So okay. man, homie, homie had a syringe. The syringe was about this long and the needle was about that long, right? Oh, yep. So he went in through the elbow and I got the shot and it didn't work right then you know, immediately. 
But I'll say two days afterwards, it was a good release. So yes. yeah. that's that's another thing where these freak incidents, freak moments, accidents that happen, where everyone that's listening, if you're trimming the hedges, or if you're doing something <laughs> in one arm on the left, if you just, yeah. you, know, you, you kind of have to alternate, right? So that way it doesn't build up to have the static or electricity or static uh, uh, force of energy towards the ligament or your elbow or your knees. Yeah. So as as we as we get older, you know, our ligaments and tendons are not as young anymore. Well, I can you know, tell as, you this. I can tell you this. Power power lifting uh, and before that bodybuilding when I was when I was uh, when I trained bodybuilding and competed as a bodybuilder. But but lifting, you know, training with weights has played a huge role in keeping me young. Okay, I have this shoulder issue and I had that operation on my neck. But those operations are not directly traceable to any damage that is done by powerlifting. Right. It's quite right. the opposite. Uh, one yeah. thing that my surgeon told me is that uh, it's my training, it's my it's my weightlifting and powerlifting that has kept this from being worse than what it actually is. So it, it's been an incentive for you. Absolutely. So so I can't train. Um, well, I can tell you, you know, leading up to when I set the squat record uh, a couple years ago, um, because this arm is so bad, it wasn't as bad then as it is now. This is a couple years ago, but it was so bad that I couldn't train squat with a regular straight bar. But what I can do is squat with a safety squat bar, you know, where it basically just rests high up on your on your traps and you have the handles yep. in front. Yep, I saw, so the, I, I saw that bar. Yeah, so I trained for the two years, two and a half years before I set that record. I trained exclusively with the squ safety squat bar. And then before the competition, I just, uh, I had one training session with a straight bar where I had to, you know, take hold of my hand and, and put it up there and all that stuff <laughs> and then work yeah. to get the bar. But But I did it. So I set yeah. that record with a dead shoulder. With a dead shoulder, right. And that's what tells me, you know, to go back to the question about will I, should I quit powerlifting, the fact that I set that record as damaged as I am tells me that when we make things better, as, be as good as we can with the shoulder, it'll yeah. never be perfect. I'll probably never be no. able to raise my arm over my head. But when I can get it to the point where it's at least... Uh, reduced when it comes to pain, I'm going to lift even more. And I'll be, what, 53, 54, and I'm going to lift even more. I'm going to raise that record. That's that's my mindset right there. I'm so far from finished with powerlifting. I'll never bench heavy again. It's always going to be 25 kilos. That's it. That's my max well, now. You, 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 never, you never know. You know it's like, hey, hey well, when are you going to be benching today? Uh, uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> but, but that's my don't, mindset. Don't answer that question again. What am I going to be squatting? Yeah, okay, let's, let's talk now. Yeah. But that's, that's my mindset is that eventually I'm going to be with walking around with less pain so that I can start training heavy again, and I'm going to raise that right. record. That's my mindset. That's good. Well, you know, it's it's – as we get older, there, there there are some older powerlifters as well. I think I can't. Maybe it's a guy from the UK or Britain where he's six. He's almost sixty years old. He's still powerlifting. I can't think of the guy. I have a friend. A, uh, I have a friend, David uh, Ricks. David Ricks from uh, a neighboring town of mine, actually in Ohio. He's from Barberton, Ohio. He's okay. sixty-three. Yeah. Sixty-three, I believe. 
and he's yeah, squatting still, over still going at it. squatting over 700 pounds deadlifting oh, yeah. over yeah. 700 pounds yeah. benching yeah. over 400 pounds and he's mm -hmm. 63 years old yeah. he's, he's a world champion powerlifter see that there i mean I, you 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 have the technique and you have the form and you have the will and the ability and the body the body remembers and and you keep going through it Absolutely. and, and in, as long as you are using the safety measures uh, to try to prevent the injury and also use the equipment because now as you see i can't even drink you see i can't even drink quite when i raise this up i gotta raise I, I saw that you, it's like it's like it's like a rambo <laughs> moment man you try it's first blood last blood you gotta you gotta get through it two <laughs> oh, man did not my fault <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! So, so no, man. You know, I power powerlifting has it hasn't been a thing of mine. Is the heavy heavy lifting has been? Yeah. You know, um, I never got into the the powerlifting or the bodybuilding thing. You know, I got asked the question yeah. of, "Hey, man, you should try bodybuilding." No, I don't need to get on the diet. And all I, I, that. Did, I did hey, that, man, and it was fun, and it gave me a lot. But nothing beats powerlifting. Uh, well, you try was, you try bodybuilding. You, you try oh, yeah. bodybuilding. I competed before? in bodybuilding. Yeah, I had um, yeah. I had a. Uh, I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send you a picture. Um, I don't know if you have your phone beside you, but I'm gonna send you. Yeah, it's right here. It's chill. Let's see. Um, I bodybuilded. Body I start. Yeah. I started out with bodybuilding. In fact, I was I was bodybuilding when I met my friend Ed Cohen, who is the Michael Jordan of powerlifting. He's the, wow. the all time best. And actually, mm -hmm. it's his wife Hager who introduced yeah. me to Snoopy because I met Hager oh, wow. when she moved to Chicago uh, to be with Ed. And Hager started telling me right away about Snoopy. Hager yeah. and Snoopy go back. Yeah, to when Snoopy was they a go kid. Back like recliners. Yeah, there you go. Mm. And and uh, so I had met Ed, and then I met Hager, and Hager introduced me to to, to Snoopy. So nice. that's um. So anyway, so Ed, being the the uh, the, the champion powerlifter that he is, and he always used to tell me, and Hager used to tell me too. She was on the national team here in Norway at one point. Hager was, and they used to tell me, John, you should try, you should try powerlifting. And this was back in the middle '90s, and I'm like, nah, you know, the bodybuilding is where it's at. Not my thing. Yeah. So, so it wasn't until 2014. 2014 is when I started focusing on powerlifting. So I had kind of like an explosive entry into powerlifting and I'm like, oh man, this is this is my thing. This is what I should have been doing all along. Mm, mm. But um it was your moment it was your world it was your world to be a, to be a part of. <clears throat> so, it was so it was my was your, it was my call. Your calling. Yeah. Your yeah. calling. Yeah. There you mm -hmm. go. Here comes a here comes a picture of my my bodybuilding days. That photo was taken in I cannot remember exactly when I want to say it was taken in two thousand and Two, right as I came wow. here to Norway, yeah. Getting it done, getting you know, getting yeah, getting it done is thirty. You were thirty-four there. This was two thousand and two, so I would have been thirty-two or thirty-three. Depends on when in the year it was taken. Thirty-two or thirty-three years old. Damn, man, you were jacked, huh? Yeah, and I got in even better shape than that further along. Even leaner yeah, you know, and even bigger. Of course, with those diet, those diet plans, you know, you have to limit everything. It's shred it makes you more, even more shredded. You know, you have a very good physique, John. Thank you. If thank you. You, put, you got you got that big linebacker neck as well. That big linebacker slash yeah. fullback fullback neck. Go. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, that I, I, I could I could easily do the bodybuilding thing, John. But it's, bodybuilding is my it's not my calling. It takes more of a commitment. It's too rough to now, do. Right, powerlifting now is it's not my calling because you know if you if I never experienced powerlifting before, if I just jump into it, you know, at this age, I, have, I would have to have, in my opinion, probably start a little bit of younger age you know well but again uh, but again you never know because you're a big solid guy i mean you've got a physique on you already and you're just swinging a kettlebell around now and 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 it's like what is it 20 28 kilo you know and it's just like but i think you know i feel it in the joints and also in the wrist because it pops every now and then and i had a little bit of a eu control moment you know with uh, (laughs) clinics for all that (laughs) you know it's sit down in the chair he goes like ah what was that okay good that that got adjusted so, but, you know, I, I think now what my focus is on is to keep my blood pressure down because my father, when he was alive, he had high blood pressure. So I keep that down to minimum on my salt intake yeah, and also maintain the low level of heart disease. So, so now it's more, it's more thinking of the health factor of getting the, uh, the weight down. Do you, have a, do you have a concrete goal as far as body weight? 100, 128 kilos, which is, what is that, uh, 275, between 275, 280 uh, pounds. <clears throat> so, you know, my ideal weight when I was way younger was 250 pounds, right? So I don't see myself getting down there anytime <laughs> soon, you know, unless I starve myself, which I'm not going to do. But, uh, but that my goal at the moment now is to come down to, to, uh, 128 kilos, which is around 270 pounds and roughly around there. I'm going to get down um, to, I'm going to get down to 130 by my next, yeah. by I'm, my next where, where are you now? If you know, where, where are you now? If you don't mind me asking around 141, 142, somewhere 141, around 142. But, yeah. but that's after, like I said, I think I've gone down roughly 10 kilos because I was around 150, 151 around the yeah. time of that news piece that was, that was on about three weeks right. ago. So already right. I've lost about 10 kilos. I'm guessing I'm around one, let's say 141. And the mm-hmm. goal is to get mm-hmm. down to 130 by mm-hmm. August, September. I don't have a date for my operation, next operation, but it's yeah. going to be the end of August, beginning of September. I want to be 130. I want to, I want to walk try. in there and I want them nurses at Lovisenberg hospital to be like, Hey, Look at this, brother. <laughs> you know, that's what he I want. It's like a different man these days, huh? And a Brit. And a Brit. Come and see John. Did you see, did you see what I posted? You have some of the fun. I don't know. You don't post too many, you know, things that are on the edge, but you send me some things. Did you see the yeah. post that I put up uh, last year at my last operation? And it was a picture of a can of, um, of, um, of Axe body spray. And, I, and the caption was, this is for the lucky nurse who sets my catheter for this operation. <laughs> I think I, I remember along the line somewhere that that moment, but not the not the X can. <laughs> so, yeah, it was can, can of X body spray. This is for the lucky nurse who's going to set my catheter. <laughs> Actually, to all you viewers out there, X body spray, it does smell very quite great. You know, it, it, it's it's a good thing. I used to, I used X body spray back in the day in college. You know, but going forward, you have so many other scents to smell. But there, those, hey, those moments where hey, I'm over you know, 100, I get over 140 kilos. I need some help with the smells, you know. So X body spray, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, hey, you know, I feel your pain 
when it comes to not being able to use an extremity, dude, because not being able to use your left arm, yeah. you know, to its a hundred percent, a hundred percentile, it's, it's it's quite of a challenge because you feel handicapped, man. Well, I am, and I am literally handicapped, not, and they're not not being able to because and it's a good thing, John, that you're not left-handed. I am, right? I am. Oh, you are. Yes. Let me tell you. I'll, let me tell you how bad how bad this has been with my shoulder. Uh, of course, it's affected my powerlifting. Um, it, it, it kept, it, it got me out of my, my spot that I had on the national, the masters, uh, national team, American right. uh, national team got me out of that. Uh, right. it's kept me from training properly. Uh, it's led to all these operations, which has made me, well, I allowed it to make me to gain all this weight. Uh, it's kept me from, um, being, being able to, you know, my, my son's death got in the way of me releasing my album. Uh, but now my arm is so bad uh, because now I want to redo some of the songs and stuff like that. I can't play the piano like I want to. Yeah. I can't play my guitar right. or bass like I want mm. to. Um, You're limited. Yeah. Here in a few weeks, I got an invitation to go out on a mini tour this summer uh, for stand-up comedy. I could have made some bank. I could have gotten some exposure. But just the thing and as you see every when i'm sitting i have to be resting that arm because just the weight of my arm pulling on my rotator cuff it's just crazy pain so i can't stand really? i can't stand on the mic for well how about can you have like a support brace where your arm is elevated that you can wear the problem with that periodically? is periodically well the problem with that is again it's back to this mobility thing if i yeah. were to go around in a sling of some kind it's going to, you know, so that's why four or five days a week, I'm in my home gym, you know, with, with, uh, you know, with these, these cables and letting that yep. cable pull my arm forward in different, you know, and do different rowing movements. Movement. Yeah. A, a sling is just going to make things worse. Really? Okay. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because it will immobilize it, which will then, uh, it, I'm, it's going to kill any mobility that I have. Right. It's going to, the, the doctor, is this also your physician or either your doctor or this is, is the surgeon yeah. to yeah again my 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 physical therapy routine that i have is in cooperation yeah. with my surgeon uh, right. i have okay. i have a great team around me um that procedure where they put that achilles tendon is tendon in that's a new procedure that was uh created by a surgeon in the states and my mm -hmm. surgeon here in norway studied under him she's the only surgeon doing that surgery here in mm. norway and guess who mm. the one and only recipient of that surgeon is you mm. Mm. so you know so so because of the experimental aspect of that and that i am the only guinea pig <laughs> to have had that done <laughs> i have extremely good follow-up around me mm. and that they trust me to do this physical therapy and rehab through my own methods that's quite the honor um, mm. that they trust me to do that. <clears throat> but then of mm. course, everything is checked, double checked and followed up. Mm. Uh, Let me ask you a question, John. Have you ever, <clears throat> this is a little bit out of your comfort zone here, but have you ever like became a, uh, a, a motivate? You ever thought about doing motivational speaking to other power lifters? Like, yes. you know, this, the experiences that you've gone through and that you're going through now of, of, um, yeah, sharing your, your knowledge. Yes. Um, 
my podcast is what it is. Everyone sees what I do with my podcast, but right. I'm looking to expand it in a lot of different ways. And right. one of those ways is to have a thread through my podcast that goes towards um, telling my story through um, through athletics and, and cur currently into powerlifting and telling that story and sharing the idea, sharing that experience. And then through that again, expanding into a counseling coaching aspect that will actually bring in income besides what the podcast brings in for income. You see mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, I see some potential there um, and I've done it small scale for individuals up through the years. Uh, but I'm looking to expand it and make it, make it something that I actually promote and push and advertise and 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 mm -hmm. and, and open up for more clients right. through right. that listening process through my podcast. Right. Yeah. Right. Because because I because I can see now that this this could this I think it should have, but I think it it would have sparked that um, that motivation that motivational speaking for you several years ago, yeah. you know, after, after you hit that mark yeah. of, of breaking, of, uh, of accomplishing that, uh, your goal and, and the, for the championships of the, the power lift. Yeah. And I think right after that, that was your moment or the moment. It still is now, but that was the moment of doing that motivational right. there. But see, this goes back to, again, it was Snoopy who kind of, uh, pushed me into doing this podcast and putting my thoughts, my feelings, my story out there, because I guess I, kudos to wifey Snoopy. Arr, arr, arr. I'm telling you, she's, she's the best with her tiny little self. She, I, I tease her relentlessly, but that's cause I love her so much, but, but she had been after me for quite some time. Like I said, to do a podcast where I'm putting my story out there. She's been also been after me to write a book and put my story out there. She's been after me to get into radio somehow and get mm -hmm. my story out there. So, and I've, yeah. I've, I don't want to say I've resisted that, but I, I guess it wasn't until recently that I, well, it wasn't until I started this podcast that I saw the value in that. And since I've started the podcast, because again, it started as a therapeutic venture for myself. Now <clears throat> I've brought, I've, I've opened my eyes wide and I'm seeing a different landscape now through this podcast that there's a lot of opportunities there. Um, I'm kind of chomping at the bit because I want to say a few things that have happened already. Things no, that no, are no, going to no, take that's... me, things that are going to take me further, but I'm holding back a little bit because I want to, I want to present yeah. it in a way that's, 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 uh, that's optimal. But, but, right, but right. I guess, I guess if people see what, you know, the times I've been on the news and, and on the radio mm -hmm. and stuff, it's always been because they're curious about what I'm doing. And Correct. not to brag, you know, I'm quite humble in all of this, but I do see opportunity and I've started to take advantage of the opportunities that this podcast has brought to me now. So it's a blessing. It's an enormous blessing. And that whole thing about motivational speaking, that whole thing about me being out there in a broader capacity outside of my podcast, it's right around the corner, Wiley. I'm just not in a position to be able to say something about it right away. It's all it's good. I, I, I kind of... It's coming. Telepathically, there you, go. you know, get that. I, there you I, go. I know that I know that there's something there because yeah. I have a I'm very good sense of uh, of things, and I'm fine tuned as well in things. So I, I think you, you have something going on there, and, and I can read between the lines. Not only that, John, but you know, 
police departments, <clears throat> you know, they they re- require a lot of consultation, right? They uh, do consultants, consultants, consultants to to uh, further their their training, their education. You know, so that also being a uh, former police officer, you know, you're living here in Noah. You you obviously can speak the. You're very fluent in the uh, in the language. Mm-hmm. So and and having your former background and also being a part of the being speaking in regards of the movement and also the injustices of racial barriers that need to be broken down in uh, in several uh, police departments that yes. globally you know yes. stop the racism shit yeah. you know and yeah. be real with it and, and and exercise your training much better that they're training much better to where it needs to be exercised professionally in yeah. today's society. Uh, against all races, to be exact. Amen. So it, 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 it needs to be it, it needs to be exercised more. So I mean, you're here living in Norway, right? You know what? So just there's is, there's is there, I, yeah. Why, why not? Why not? There is a consult consultation or either the motivational speaking thing as well for um, for uh, Norway's finest. There is <laughs> there there are some opportunities there as well. Um, you are quite the receptive person for all things uh, vibration because there's also some possibilities there, um, which will be announced <laughs> when, 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 when that's strange. Yeah, I, I, I didn't, we didn't even talk about it. Everyone that's listening, we didn't talk about this. This isn't a setup. Right. Well, you know, and, and, and look, look, I, 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 I got a lot of criticism from uh, a few, um, uh, a few people. Uh, uh, Afri- criticism Afri- or negative criticism? Negative. Well, negative. African Americans here in in Norway who have criticized my, the, the who have criticized the validity of my appearances in the national media here, and <clears throat> and I could. Yeah, that hurt me in a way. It's not that I need validation from everybody. No, I don't need that. But I certainly will react when unexpected and what I feel unfounded criticism comes. Because I'm, I'm, to me, there's no effort in staying humble in all of this. There's some big things that are happening for me right now. But I'm still humble because I recognize the blessing. Um, yes, I'm doing the work to get the recognition I'm getting and to get the opportunities I'm getting. Yes, I'm doing the work, but I'm remaining humble and I'm recognizing the blessing in all of that. But having said that, some pretty amazing things have happened now quite recently and some pretty amazing things are on their way because of all of this stuff that's, that's, that's come about. And I guess what I'm trying to say is, yes, I've done the work, so I deserve whatever I'm, whatever I've gotten and whatever I'm about to get. Yes, I deserve it. But, but, but within all of that, within me doing what I call the work, there's a lot of assistance in the form of motivation and inspiration, uh, mostly from this podcast, from people like you, people who say these positive things, people who inspire me in ways, people who motivate me, you know, you, you speaking out about your mental health issues at that time, that's inspiring to me. That's motivating to me. That moves me. And that carries me 
that that carries me further along. So whatever the work I'm doing, I'm not doing it alone. It's being supplemented from people like yourself. And I've, I've said, uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I had you on because there's something about you without me even knowing what it was. I just knew there was something about you that I could learn something from. I could be motivated from, I could be lifted up from something about you. And sure enough, that's exactly Here what has happened. That's yeah, exactly yeah. what has happened. So, so, and, and there's my, there's my humility. I've been taught by my mother and my grandmother, basically the women in my family, I've been taught to recognize the blessing and to stay humble in the face of success. Because the minute you lose humility, that success can turn to the exact opposite. It can lead to failure. You can't be arrogant in the face of success. You've got to stay That's humble right. because it's that humbleness that will keep that door open. And it's the humbleness that will bring more people to you you know, people like yourself and, and, and everybody else who I've ever asked to be on my podcast. So I, I just wanted to address that whole thing about hu about humbleness and humility and how to react in the face of criticism. And I think the reaction is the one that I've had, which is, okay, that criticism hurt me and it stumbled me, stumbled me up for a little bit, but you got to keep on going down that road. I think, I think unfortunately, some black Americans, whether they're here in Norway or back at home, all too often get touched by uh, jealousy. <laughs> you can't you yeah. can't stand by while you see another brother get lifted up. You got to try right. and pull them back down. Jealousy and envy. It's it's, it's a uh, sad phenomenon. It's a sad right. phenomenon. Mm. So yeah, because when you're when you're successful and doing well, you know you're always going to have other other people of the same race. That's uh, that will knock you down for your for your accolades or for your yeah. for your uh, for you succeeding, you yeah. know, in life. And you know, it's sad how how society and you know people <clears throat> people in the world and also in society are, you know, sur succumb to those measures. Yeah. You know, yeah. When, when you want, when you see someone that that came from somewhere, you know, that's trying to make things better for 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 not only himself or herself, but also for other people, you know, it's, it's putting it out there, but pe people don't, people are people in general, are not acceptable to change all the time. Right. right they, right. they want things to stick to the same method and pattern. They and don't I like get change. That. And I get that because it, it's easy. I get that. Yeah. But, but, but this thing with, with jealousy, this thing with wishing ill will on people who are just trying, you know, you know, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. I really don't. I don't know if I'm handling my son's death properly, but I am doing something. I am handling it. You know, it remains to be seen if I'm doing, if I'm doing things right, but my intentions are good. And right. for, for someone to hate on that is, I, I don't, it's I don't benign. understand it. I don't it's understand just, it. Benign. Yeah, it is. Mm. It is. Mm. It is. Mm. But then there's so, loving I mean, brothers it, like you. But then there's loving brothers like no you. No doubt, so, man. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 um it's it's unfortunate, you know. But you 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 see the positivity of it, and you you continue doing you right. You continue yeah. to to uh, to express the the level of grief based on your son's passing. You know, going on to the afterlife, and and you know, telling his his uh, his story. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, right? You know, and and nothing issue. at all. It, the, and the issue is, is I'm trying, I, I share my, 
my grief and I tell people the reasons for this podcast. And I do that in the <clears throat> hopes that it can help somebody else. Of right. course, of course, there's a, there's a, let's call it a selfish element to it because I'm looking for answers myself. Yes. But I'm also ho- putting it out there in the hopes that it will help somebody else. And people can criticize that if they want to, but I, re- I, 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 it's for me, it's impossible to understand that type of criticism right. because there's nothing but good intentions behind what I'm doing. So very good, John. Very good. Yeah. Keep paying, keep paying it forward. That's you're doing it to the best of your capabilities and you see your change. So this is your podcast. Uh, what you're doing is your avenue of the level of expression to, uh, to tell people your, your story, first and foremost, your son's story, first and foremost, what you experienced in life, uh, in your previous, um, profession, uh, of what you have focused on and going forward, what you would love to continue or what you would like to continue focusing on to, to your listeners uh, and to other people and also here locally uh, what what's what's coming to them yes what they're going to experience in the future so so the, the at the moment you know we all have a, a oyster to deliver to the world right so as they wow, say the world is oyster, your, the yeah. yeah yeah the yeah. world is your, the world is your oyster right so 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 that that entails right what you have to deliver so you have it's your calling now to to uh, exercise what you have to deliver through your podcast and other avenues outside of your podcast uh, from a motivational standpoint. So, amen, and that's what it forward, is. Man. And amen, amen, and that's what it is. It's a calling. I feel like this is something that I have to do. I couldn't stop if I wanted to. Now, no, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So, how does the song go? Can't nobody break my stride. Can't nobody slow me down. Oh, no. I got to keep on moving. See, now you forced me down into a lower register. I'm more of a high tenor. <laughs> I'm more of a, but I hung with you there. I hung with you there on the baritone. So. <laughs> my man, why? It's all good, man. It's all good. So that's, that's what's going That's what's up. Listen, at, at, I, I've been doing this with a few of my guests now to, to close things out. We've been talking almost three hours, man. That's, that's, that's great. I know. I haven't even noticed, man. That's, yeah. that's the beauty of having positive conversations. Absolutely. But, but to close mm-hmm. things out, what is something you want to leave my viewers and listeners with? What can you say? I mean, you've said a lot of motivational things. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten chills down my arms and back, back in my neck from things that you've said during this conversation. But if well, there's one, we, one, one powerful statement that you could make for people to take with them as we close this out. Live, uh, the one powerful thing that I can express to viewers, your viewers in general, is to live, live your life peaceful and powerful and, and positively as much as possible. Because uh, life is short. Uh, life is never promised to us tomorrow. Um, accept things for what they are, except for who you are as a person, regardless of whatever background, where you come from, uh, going forward, who you meet in your life. So I, I would say that if you can accept who you are as a person, accept how life uh, will treat you going forward, that, that means that you, you have your intentions of where you need to be as a person. So understand that if you have problems that you face, uh, as a person, whether if it's financially, where if it's family problems, if it's personal or if it's mental problems, uh, seek help in everything that you can. Uh, have positive people in your corner. Family comes first always. So be there for them. And nine times out of 10, 
WWFU. And this ain't no bullshit. You know, we, we will always go through struggles in our life, uh, ups and downs in our life. So not everything is going to be peaches and cream. The grass ain't always going to be greener on the other side of the pasture. So um, it, it's good to be in tune with life and be in tune with yourself as a person and live life and love life. That's some beautiful words from a beautiful and loving brother, Wiley Wiggins, everybody. No doubt. Thanks, my friend. Thank you, man. Listen, thank you, John. Thank but, you for having me. Thank you for having me in your podcast. I appreciate the love. Thank you for coming. Um, I'm a better man for having shared this time with you. So thank you for carrying, uh, care, lifting me forward, um, lifting me higher. I should see. I should say, um, just keep on being who you are, Wiley. I know. Uh, besides the people watching or listening, I know you're touching people's lives with your openness, with your honesty, uh, and with your humor. Uh, and, and please, please just keep on doing it. And your humor, by the way, I want to ask you, uh, I almost forgot about this. I wanted to end with you making this statement, but I also have to ask you this. There's one video that you sent me that I watch constantly just to get a laugh. And I can't even. Which, I can't, which, one, which, one, which one video was? And, and, and I can't even put my finger on the comedy element. What is it about that video that makes me laugh? But it's just so dang funny. You sent me a video where you had said you had sent your family to the store so that you could. You, were, you made yourself some pancakes and some bacon. And it's almost as if you were saying you planned to get rid of them so that you could make yourself some real food. And just for you, do you remember that video? I do remember that video. Now, I want, and I want to ask your permission to take that video clip and post it on this podcast episode so that people can know what I'm talking about. There's something. Feel free. Thank you. There is something about that video that I, it, it it's not really even funny, but it is funny. Feel free to post it because you know why. <laughs> That just shows you how real a person can be when it's quality time that you can have for yourself when the family is away. Amen. Every man, every man that had every father that's out there knows what I'm talking about. When it's time when you need to make pancakes for yourself or any kind of food that you want to have that's your delicacy, when the family's not away, <laughs> you need to do it for yourself. You know what? So have that moment. Share it. I don't mind. You know Go what? for it. Talk about inspiration. When Snoopy leaves for her night shift tonight, I think I'm going to fire up the griddle. I think I'm going to pull up my grandmother's homemade. It's a secret family recipe for pancakes. I think I'm going to be having pancakes around 11 o'clock p.m. tonight. Go for it and have some for me. <laughs> Wiley, Wiggins, Wiley Wiggins, everybody. Listen, everybody who's watching or listening, look at the description of this episode. You'll find a couple of links where you can support me. Uh, your, your support is not necessary, but it certainly is appreciated. I love you people. Um, I love doing this podcast. I love having guests like Wiley Wiggins. Wiley, I love you, man. You're my brother. Thank you. Love you too, John. Love you too, man. And the love doesn't stop here. It's going to continue going, man. So We're going to meet up face to face. We're going to give a brotherly hug. We're going to meet face to face. We're going to break bread together and we're going to laugh and our families are going to get to meet each other. It's just well, a matter of we time. Embrace when we embrace, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mind your shoulder. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do too much damage. <laughs> Thank you, with your big ass out here crushing little bro short brothers like me. It's all, hey, it's all good. That hand, this hand will meet your hand, and I try not, I try not to damage. It's like, oh, hey man, you gotta stop. I, yeah, people say you gotta stop shaking my hand so hard. It's not me. It's just the hand. It's just man. the hand, it just man. Comes with the smack. <laughs> 
Thank you, Wiley. Uh, thank you so thank much you, for this good time. Thank you so much. It's all good, man. Love you, love you, brother. All right, Hope man. all is well and with you, Matt. Matt's success going going further in the future. Likewise, man. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Talk to, talk to you. See you soon. Bye, everybody. Okay, man.